think you'd never see me again, Claymore? <laughs> I'm right here. All around you. Everywhere around you. to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. The following podcast contains adult language, adult situations, and spoilers for the movies discussed occur often. You've been warned. Now, take it away, Dr. Rausch. They must be destroyed on sight! Welcome back. It is They Must Be Destroyed on Site, episode 277. I'm your host, Lee. The weed of crime bears bitter fruit, Russell. I am joined by my co-hostess with the mostest, Lee, as inevitable as your guilty conscience, Hardy. How are you doing, ma'am? How else could you introduce me? That's that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I... Uh... I'm going to have a funny voice tonight, so I do apologize, but I don't have that raspy, sexy voice that you want, so sorry. Wrong sickness this time. Yeah, you should have got the <laughs> same sickness as before. God damn it. I'll just yeah. make sure to run up my voice. Can't you Can't you just be a, in ill health all the time to fuel my fantasies? That's. Uh... I'll pick up smoking. <laughs> yeah, uh, either that, you know, smoking and drinking. I, we can, I can help you there. It's fine. And uh, we are happy to have back, uh, returning after we, we discussed before the show, it's it's been about a year and a half or so since he's been last been on the show. Um, Matt. Hello. <laughs> yes. I'm yes. here to cloud your minds. Yeah. That's, Psych- that's, that's, that's what I'm here Matt, for. Matt, psychically, I'm very well endowed Anderson. You, you just, 
<laughs> you stepped right over that one. I was, I was giving oh, you props and everything. I didn't realize you were going to give me one of those. I thought like I was like, mm-hmm. oh man, I better prepare it myself. So okay, but I'll take yours. I like yours better. I that's probably like my favorite line in the movie. I just, <laughs> just one of those ones that just makes you laugh. Yes, yes, it does. Uh, <laughs> there, there are some decisions in this movie that they're made with with, uh, with the jokes and the humor and stuff. It's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. 1990s we're, we're 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 dealing with a property that's like almost 100 years old now yep and, you know it's more than 100 years old now right but uh we haven't quite hit the 100 yet but okay we're okay. very very close with it within a decade of the um pre-lamont cranston shadow so mm-hmm. yeah which, um i'll just fair warning like uh i'm a huge old-time radio nerd so um I know way too much about the shadow. Um, <laughs> so please interrupt me at any point. If I'm just like back in the radio show too often, or, you know, if I'm like, but Orson <laughs> Wells did it this way, or mm-hmm. you know, just please, please just steer me in the, uh, the Baldwin direction if we need to. Oh no, that's been, fine. That, that's the shit we want on the show. So I've been a, a co-host for what, a few years now, and uh, Lee's does a great job. I bring me back on the good, topic. Good, good. <laughs> you know, what's funny is actually, because um, I was thinking about this the other day, like there are no, at least that I know of, podcasts like this, like, you know, the way people talk about movies or even comic books about old time radio shows where, mm-hmm. and, and I've realized that like, that's like the one thing that maybe is like missing in my life is I, I need that outlet because that's like what I listen to all the time. Like every show on my phone is like either this, the grind bin mustachio podcastio, or it's mm-hmm. green Hornet, the saint, the shadow, you know, just all Jack Benny. So it's mm-hmm. like, I was like, man, there's no, like, and I, and I have no means to start a podcast. So I'm just kind of throwing this out there, like to your <laughs> audience if anyone wants to host an old time, like radio, like round table, I will be your first guest. I'll be your most frequent guest, but I just, won't, <laughs> I just can't do any of the, you know, yeah. Technical stuff. Yeah. yeah I feel I, that way. <laughs> I can't, I can't think, yeah, I can't think of any podcasts no. that do that. Right. Like there's plenty of podcasts that do old timey radio shows like production. But they just, yeah. Some, sometimes the, yeah, you'll have a host that will introduce an episode, maybe give a little context. Mm-hmm. And I, what's funny is because so many, pretty much every one of those shows is in public domain at this point. Unlike a lot of things, you could literally cut the whole episode in. You could do like an intro, cut the episode in and then come back with a round table. So the audience could do it all in one, but yeah. No, yeah. you know, <laughs> he has the idea. I'm the idea yeah. man. Like, please, someone execute and 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 just invite me. Like, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. But honestly, I'd like to hear it. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, if you hadn't guessed by now, and if you had just stumbled into this like a child walking into a theater halfway through the movie, we're doing the Shadow, 1994. So, uh, welcome in, Batman yeah, but, Junior. Yeah, Batman, Batman Junior. Although, uh, ironically. This movie takes so much from the the Burton uh, Batman. Oh, God. That, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. But before we get into that, we can get into what we've watched in the last little while. So uh, I will throw over to our guest first, Matt. So um, I'm completely behind on anything recent, um, although mm-hmm. I did just, uh, I guess, the most recent thing that I've watched 
in terms of release date was I got the Halloween Ends Blu-ray. Okay. It's got, it's got a commentary track by David Gordon Green and Jamie Lee Curtis and, and everything. And uh, man, I love that commentary track. I, I don't, you know, commentary tracks seem like they kind of fell by the wayside for a while and only yeah. now and then still, um, you know, pop up. And um, I'm just a stupid, like David Gordon Green fanboy. Like as a, mm-hmm. he's just probably my favorite, like living currently working director. And he doesn't do a lot of that kind of stuff. So, and he doesn't really do a lot of other than pre-press, like pre-release interviews. He doesn't really, um, you know, he's not one of those guys that you get to find like a lot about his thought process and stuff like that. So when you get this chance, so I love that. And I'll just say hi to Tim Yobo and Mike Wood. (laughs) Um, They like to make fun of me for uh, my Halloween ends fanboyism. Um, But, you know screw you guys um <laughs> and uh so the other thing um i i did watch uh recently was i what re-watched shadow of a doubt the alfred hitchcock movie okay yeah it's um my god like it, every time i you know it seems like at least like once every like two years or so i i re-watch that movie and it just gets higher and higher on my like list of favorite movies it's like my it's my favorite hitchcock movie by okay. far but like just in my overall movies, it's um, man, it's just so good. Like it, most people know it, so it's not like you need to really go into it. But like, talk about like the best character study, and just like a movie that does not let up on the tension, even when it's doing things that aren't necessarily building tension. It's not not playing by the normal um, like suspense movie rules because it's very mm-hmm. like. Americana and just very pleasant, you know, in a lot of ways that like, in a way it, you can watch that movie and go like Hitchcock created the, like the, like a decade before created like the leave it to beaver template. And like the sitcoms that you saw in the fifties were all like all of that, like the style was all there in this, uh, you know, in this movie and, and, um, Oh God, I just love it. And I can never say enough about uh, Joseph Cotton uh, as an Mm -hmm. actor. Like he's just great all the time, but he's something extra special when he turns from like the charming uncle Charlie to the like, Oh, this man's murdered people and is going to do it again until like someone saw, you know, it's just so good. So shadow of a doubt. It's uh, not new, but uh, it's always worth a watch. Yeah, no, that that is a classic. You, you do make a good point. Like, I, I feel like, you know, people, they always go, okay, yes, Hitchcock, Suspense Master, Terror, stuff mm-hmm. like that. They know him for that, but they don't, you know, they don't necessarily recognize the fact that he was, you know, he had been making movies since the silent era. Yes. And, and you know, he was he was a profoundly just excellent stylist and was doing all kinds of different things before he got well known over right. this side of the pond right yeah so. well and i think what's interesting is you know obviously he is um uh one of those guys that is borderline like well i should say no he's probably like he's problematic with, oh yeah uh, but like you know it it's always weird because like i feel like there's a certain like a date where like you kind of just chalk that up to like old hollywood stuff and it's like it's, yeah. it's awful but like you know, it never feels like it, it. I feel like it's a safe distance away that it doesn't alter my like watching of his movies. 
Um, but one thing is, I don't think he was ever always that great at directing actors. Like he never, you know, he he could create yeah. scenes and 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 he knew pacing. And and I was, you know, again thought that that was because he would obsess over a few women, you know, mm-hmm. and then mostly just kind of let the other people do what they want. And most of the time it worked for him because he had the best, like he had access to the best performers. So you Mm -hmm. didn't need to, but like, I feel like especially in shadow of a doubt, like the whole movie hinges on uh, Joseph Cotton and uh, Teresa Wright. Um, And man, whether he was directing them with the way that they were performing or that was just them as professionals, I don't know, but like that is the best um, directed Hitchcock movie in terms of the performances and, mm-hmm. and it's and and I don't think it I don't think it gets as much um, I mean it's not like it's unknown I mean it's not we're not ta- t- talking people, about an undiscovered gem but yeah but but people at the same time they wouldn't necessarily hey name your top five Hitchcock movies most people aren't going to say that one right so yeah. it, it's totally I mean it's just it's really really good and you know I guess it kind of was actually a happy accident because um, Joseph Cotton was obviously part of Orson Welles, you know, theater true. Mm-hmm. And Orson Welles was the first of Lamont Cranston. So, yeah. you know, it kind of actually, I backed into tying it into what we're here for. <laughs> yeah, that's excellent. Uh, shadow maybe... of the shadow, shadow of the doubt. Yeah. Let me yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even get that one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Lady Lee, anything? Uh, yeah, I've actually recorded mine. <laughs> um, recorded them? Like, wrote them down. I mean, I guess that's technically. I was recorded. like, wow, she's cutting me out of this segment yeah. by re- pre recording. <laughs> yeah, I, I recorded, like, watching them, like, put it on the record <laughs> of me watching them. That's it. Anyways, let's move on. <laughs> uh, so, just the other day, I watched, uh, rewatched Bubble Boy. Okay. Uh, I forgot how stupid the movie is, but I still love it. Like it's just so. That's dumb. the Jake Gyllenhaal one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of people in there. I didn't realize yeah. it because it's been yeah. a while since I've seen it. Yeah, because there's the other one, right? There's the John Travolta the, was right, the TV boy movie. The was boy it, in the I plastic think? bubble or something? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes. It's it's so bad, but I I think it's hilarious. It's one of those like over-the-top ridiculous stupidity like mm. ryan was talking about how it'd be impossible to walk with that bubble and still have air and do everything like you'd have a generator that's so big that yeah. it would be impossible and like all these other things i'm like the whole thing is impossible he even made the joke about like how he never poops because he's <laughs> in the thing and he doesn't poop so even though he's in the bubble and then he comes out of the bubble and somehow he doesn't stink to high heaven because you know he hasn't showered in two days three days and he's been running across the country Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I've realized that I don't know any geography of uh, the states. Okay. Um, so every time they kept popping up with the different states to say like where they were to get to Niagara Falls, I had no fucking clue where they were at. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, some of them I was like, okay, I kind of know. Uh, but Ryan was like, yeah, they took the weirdest path to get there. So <laughs> he was there to mm-hmm. kind of clarify. And then I also watched uh, Lucky Number Seven, which is also another. Movie oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I like it. I like the story to it. I uh, I just think it's kind of cool um, how at the end everything just like ties in 
to why these guys died to like the kid's childhood and all that stuff. And I, I just like it. I think it's cool. What do you, what do you think of Josh Hartnett and his acting though? Wait, that's the Slevin, right? Lucky yes. number Slevin. Slevin. Yeah. Okay. I was like, Did man, I there's an, uh, no, I don't, I don't know. No, I you just, said Slevin. Okay. okay. <laughs> I just, I wasn't sure if we were talking about a different movie and I'm yeah. like, wait a minute. I, that's I like Slevin. I like parts of that movie. Like I, I like all the parts that are connected to Lucy Liu. That's very good. Yeah. Um, there's my like it. No, it's, it's good. It like, it's, it's a post Tarantino thingy, right? Where it's like, Oh, look how clever we are. And, mm-hmm. and it, it did not, it's not only post Tarantino, but it's kind of like slick action and stuff too. Like, and it's got, yeah. you know, it's got like Ben Kingsley and Morgan Freeman as rival crime bosses for some reason. And I always think of that movie as being kind of like um, somewhere in that same. I don't know. It's not almost like a mini genre of like what you said, post Tarantino, but slick action. You know, you think about like was it like the replacement killers. Yes. With, um, and what was that first like? And I kind of a little bit later, but in a different style, but was. um it was one of like Mark Wahlberg's like first like action movies, like the big hit or something, where he was like a hitman. Oh, oh yeah, and he was yeah, kind yeah. of wisecracking. The one, the one with Christina Applegate in it too, yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah, I kind of those movies to me kind of all feel like th- with some similar DNA. So they were they were like they were trying to like they were post Tarantino and they were trying to like use some of the Tarantino tropes at that point and like do something a bit new with it and yeah but just doing an action movie as opposed to like a crime like or you know whatever but yeah yeah and uh lucky number 11 also uh probably probably the biggest highlight other than lucy lou for me and and i'm not saying the movie sucks or anything i just kind of yeah it's all right uh the uh song after laughter comes tears by wendy renee great little uh unsung uh motown gym so there you go Hmm. Um, I wasn't, I didn't mind Josh Hartnett as the lead. Like he didn't do, uh, I thought he did a good job. Like it Mm -hmm. wasn't anything better than anybody else, but then again, it wasn't bad. So I enjoyed him. The only thing I didn't like was, um, he looked pretty scrawny. Mm-hmm. And just because, like, he's supposed to be, like, a um, a hitman, basically, mm-hmm. I would expect someone who looked stronger, ruggeder, like, something a little bit more. Right. He just or, kinda... or made his physique kind of part of the plot. Like, you know, I mean, because you could kind of do it that way. But if you're just supposed to buy him as, like, yeah, tough like, guy. Because yeah. I, I understand that at uh, the beginning it just seemed like he was at the wrong place at the wrong time. Because they made that whole joke of, like, oh, no, I'm not this person. I'm not right. this person. Which is fine uh, to kind of throw you off, but it just, I don't know, it just didn't tie in as well. Like, it just, yeah. either, like you said, uh, make it point or like just make it look like it. Like, I don't know. It just, there was just right. something missing. I would have been fine had they put like a couple extra scars on him and he yeah. said, like, oh yeah, it was just whatever from a childhood. And then that, even though it's like foreshadowing, I think it would have foreshadowed it well. Yeah. Just, it just looked just, I don't know. It was just too pretty boy. Like it was just too he, much pretty boy for me. That's the thing. Like if it, it feels like everyone kind of wanted him to be the next big star and he never really got there. Like he just mm-hmm. kind of, he was kind of really pretty and he kind of acted with his hair. Yeah. 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 But he was good. Like I he, said, was he was good. good. Yeah, he's, he's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, he's fine. Um, um, he did it. He, he did what he did. Well, it just, he didn't have anything unique about him. No. Um, the next one. So it was the first time watch me was uh, blade. The first one. Oh, yeah, you were nice. telling me this was the first time watch for you. I was like, what? Yeah, That's crazy. I, I watched the third one a bunch because I had it on VHS. Wait, 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 wait. You watched uh, the third one? Yeah. 
<laughs> before you saw. Yeah, I was a kid. Oh, I found it on VHS. Uh, wow. <laughs> Sorry. No, I just I, I don't think I've ever heard like someone start with Blade Trinity. Like, yeah, I, I guess it's just a weird. I mean, I guess it yeah, it just so happened to be. I I found it on VHS. I I bought it myself. Found it on VHS. Um, yeah, so I watched a bunch because oh. I like the action to it. I haven't I mean, watched I'm, it recently, so I'd, like, I'd be interested to rewatch it again. I mean, but, what, uh, what 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 can you say about something like that, Matt? Other than motherfuckers no. always trying to ice skate uphill, you know, like fucking. Right. <laughs> well, the thing about you know is it, it it's like Blade Trinity was one of those movies that you feel like was doomed from the start because uh-huh. for whatever like strengths and weaknesses in the the series, like eat, the first two had very like unique directors that yeah. brought a very unique tone and style and then in the third one you turn it over to david goyer as like his second time directing he first directed like a little um crime character drama yeah. called like turn around i don't know it's some something mm. ridiculous and it was just a melodrama and um, I remember him famously quoted as saying, like, before I directed Blade Trinity, I went to go make this little movie um, because I realized that, like, if I could handle the character, the action would take care of itself. And maybe to some degree that's true, or at least mm-hmm. he had the right people with him. But it's like, dude, that's not you don't want to say that like that's mm-hmm. you're just basically trying to say, like, yeah, I don't really I'm going to be way in over my head. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> like, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand there, and everyone else is gonna direct around me. Right? And yeah. But, um. Yeah. Sorry. But, but yes, a blade. blade yeah, blade. blade. The first one's great. So. Um. Okay. So I made I commented to Lee about this, but I think I would have enjoyed it more had I watched it closer to when it came out. Yes. Because unfortunately, the CGI uh just oh yeah took it out mm-hmm. took me out entirely. Um, it probably would have looked really cool. Uh, yes, back it when it first came out <laughs> did, did, but because did. i watched it it just didn't age well um and which is unfortunate because i thought uh i thought the action sequences were freaking amazing like the fight scenes were just phenomenal mm-hmm. but uh then when i got to those scenes with the cgi it just yeah. took me out i couldn't i was okay. like ah, just... all right all right we're watching we're gonna watch blade 2 together okay. <laughs> that one ages well like because okay. that's, that's a del toro movie yeah um was that yeah, his first right. American movie? I can't remember if that was his first. Uh, wasn't Mimic his first? American? Mimic was. Mimic yeah. was. Yes, that's right. Oh yeah, Mimic. So I have uh, one more, okay. and it's uh, Mortal Kombat, the twenty twenty one, I believe, the newest one. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I did not like it. <laughs> I. Uh, it's funny because I feel like I got mansplained video game movies in our chat. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you saw that comment. I did see it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was like, what? Because the guy said, well, first of all, if you come in two with expectations and this is a video game movie, I'm like, oh, God. I never mm. played Mortal Kombat. Like, that's literally the first video game I well, owned as a kid. Like, me personally owned, not family owned. Well, and first and foremost, <laughs> like, you shouldn't there shouldn't be that much baggage coming into a mortal Kombat movie anyways like all stories any story was added later yeah right so it's the the story the story of the first mortal Kombat is literally we're ripping off 
martial art tournament movie cliches. Yep. And we put a little bit of mysticism in it. It's like exactly. a John Claude Van Damme movie, like kickboxer style. But yeah. yeah. With the Kombat. quest. The other John yeah. Claude Van Damme yeah. movie. The, this one, I think it tried too hard for uh, nostalgia for anybody who played the games because you like recognize the characters and they kind of refreshed mm-hmm. it a bit. And then um, went way too hard in the idea of Mortal Kombat, like the blood and gore, because everything was just yeah. over-exaggerated in the video games. Well, um, and it was really quick, sorry, but like I realized that like that watching the movie, I was like, man, this movie feels like one long apology for the original two. <laughs> I like the Be- first one. I well, no, I know, but like most people really were down on them because they took what was at the time like the violent video game and made these like yeah. t- kind of tame or at least the first one i don't know if annihilation was r but like the first one was pg-13 it was kind mm. of campy you know and it's it really felt like all these years later they make this other one that's like don't worry it's r you <laughs> we know? got the blood and gore in it don't right. worry um uh yeah i think they kind of went too much with that and then they were too serious like it's a video game yeah like mm. i understand that it's kind of evolved over the years and there's a little bit more of a story behind the characters but it's still a video game and your video game to movie like mm. I, I i anytime i see these kind of movies i don't expect that serious note because again it's a video game like i just i wanted that fun um when this one i just found they just took themselves too seriously uh i did like sonia i thought she was more badass because the first one she kind of bugged me she mm-hmm. seemed like, a, even though she was like a strong fighter, she, she was, was the Billy Madison lady. The, yeah, she uh, was. Uh, her fighting technique was so bad. I was like, yeah. get a, a fucking stunt double, like at yeah. least or <laughs> a basic freaking girl who can do a punch. Like, yeah. anyways, um, that I just didn't like. Uh, I did really enjoy. Um, oh, what's his name? Is it Kano or the other guy? Kano's the Australian guy with the one eye. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Kano, I really enjoyed his acting. I thought he brightened up the movie. Like, he actually did a really good job. But uh, the rest I found was just very serious. Like, and all the acting was very, like, par. Like, it was just there. Like, they acted what they were supposed to. Like, someone says, here, act like you're sad. They just did that. Like, there was nothing that uh, went above and beyond. Like, it was just very par. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a big Mortal Kombat fan, so I'm probably yeah. never going to watch that. Like, I was always a Street Fighter guy, so it was like, and uh, I mean, and I already I, got a Street yeah, Fighter movie. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I mean, you that's a movie. You can't improve upon that. So. I mean, that that, that <laughs> might be so a movie bad, we do. So good. That might be a movie we do at some point. We we seem to be like swirling around that toilet bowl of the '90s right now. So uh, I saw that movie in the theater, mm-hmm. and. I went with a huge Street Fighter fan, like, uh, you know, like a friend of mine, like the the friend that I went with was like the guy that like would do the like, you know, take two quarters to the arcade and didn't need to, you know, didn't need more than that to like play through because he could just master the game. And I it was my first experience of like kind of like looking at someone from the corner of my eye while watching something and just seeing the horror like just like sink in that like <laughs> this is what he got and here i'm watching it going like i i don't know anything about the game other than mm-hmm. watching it over his shoulder like him playing so i'm like this is fine this is like not any different than in some dumb action movie i would have watched anyways it's weird mm-hmm. to see it in the theater but like this seems feels very direct to video but like beyond that and oh man i 
I'm pretty sure there was tears in his. Like, I don't know for sure, <laughs> but like, I'm pretty sure there was tears. I haven't. Uh. I haven't seen this movie in years, but all I remember was a bison, the face that he made yeah. in the video game is the exact same face that the guy made in the movie. Yeah, That's yeah Ra- all I remember. I just remember that. That is like literally one of the only things I remember. And it's just Ra- like, Raul Julia left this world oh, giving us God. his giving us his final performance as M. Bison. You know, it's that it, face. It, it, and you know what's so great is like you, you gotta I mean, it's like the worst movie to go out on for like such a good actor but at the mm-hmm. same time it's like he gave it his all like in, he in, walked he away showed, with it. like like mm-hmm. it you know you feel like that was like professional to the end and he you know there's no way he was reading that script going oh this is great this is you know mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah no 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 no, like, no it's it's a perfect example of a great actor walking into a bad movie and going oh i know what this is right all right exactly yeah yeah yeah, um, I just have one to mention here, and uh, I just watched it the other day. The Stalking Moon from 1969. It's a Western of Gregory Peck and Robert Forster, unfortunately, and Redface. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah there, there's a little bit of that in this movie, but they do have some actual Native Americans in it as well in the prominent part. So, you know, okay. good on them. And also Robert Forster is playing a half-breed. So okay. you kind of get away from it a little bit. It's kind of a Kioma situation, you know, yep. where you can like, all right. Um, it's an interesting one. It's kind of a proto-slasher movie. Uh, so, like, Gregory Peck is this uh, army scout who's retiring, and, like, he's helping the army uh, on his, like, last little tour uh, we're going to relocate some Apaches uh, to probably reservations, right? So you know, okay, to a that's better place. Yeah, but but when they come down to these Apaches, and most of them are women and children, they find a white woman amongst them who had obviously been like captured by the Apaches years ago, and she's got her half breed son. And he's like, well, I'm going to help her get out of here. Like, this white woman cannot be in with the rest of these Apaches, right? So we, we got to get her out of there. Um, so Gregory Peck's, I'll, I'll take you and your kid to wherever you want to go. And she's like, you can't do that because my husband, he's crazy. And, <laughs> it, tur- and it turns out her husband is crazy. Her husband is like this Michael Myers of the Indian warriors kind of thing awesome. where, where even the Apaches and stuff are like, we don't fuck with him because he's crazy. Nice. Yeah. I, that sounds, I, you got me intrigued. So, so it like, it takes a while to get there, but once it gets to its final act, it's like, Oh shit. Because it becomes this cat and mouse game where like they're holed up in his cabin and that Apache warrior is out there stalking them and playing games with them. And like, hmm. we have all this backstory of like everywhere they've gone, he's been there right afterwards and killed everybody there. So they were like at a, tr- at a fucking uh, stagecoach stagecoach station and they left. And just as they leave, they get word like a couple days later. Oh yeah. Everyone there's dead. He showed up and killed them all. And and so, like, they're holed up, and, like, he's got his friend. He's got Robert Forrester there as well. And uh, he's the Indian just starts picking them off and like because he, he just wants to get his wife his wife and kid back. And uh, it's – I mean, it's, you know, it it's not the best on, you know, depicting yeah. Native Americans. It's probably better than a lot of films at the time. Yeah. But I think it's kind of interesting just because it's – very much a proto slasher and maybe n- more so like proto the subgenre that came out of that, which is like the survival stuff, like mm-hmm. deliverance and, and things like that, you know? So 
it's, it's very much akin to those. And I think it's pretty, and I mean, it's got Gregory Peck and Robert Forrester. In right. It, you like, can almost not go wrong there. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I would be interested to know, um, you know, obviously John Carpenter is, a always makes Westerns no matter what, like mm-hmm. that's his, that's his thing. Right. Like, um, even though he doesn't make Westerns, um, and he always talks about like the Howard Hawks, you know, stuff, but be interesting to know if, uh, if that's one that he's ever like brought up as something, you know, yeah. Cause as you mentioned Halloween, you know, like Michael Myers and just, just the idea of like there being this like Western that has some of those elements that, you know, would become slasher. And here's a director that is known <laughs> for making one of the most famous slashers mm-hmm. and um, always thinking he's making a Western or in his eyes, always making a Western movie. It, be interesting to see if that's ever yeah i I don't know like i don't know if it necessarily would influence halloween all that much but um like i wouldn't be surprised if he hadn't seen it like because i I, I mean if it's a western i'm sure john carpenter's seen it mm -hmm. but like just the the way you were describing it makes me kind of wonder if like you know somewhere in that like mix in his head you know where it's like yeah yeah no, it it does in in part kind of feel like a John Carpenter ish kind of thing because, like you say, his westerns bleed into all of his movies. Yeah, and like there's definitely characters in this movie that feel like they could be John Carpenter characters in other movies and stuff. So yeah, I mean that could be possible, but uh, worth worth uh, checking out. Stalking Moon probably one a lot of people haven't heard of and uh you know probably one when you know people talk about gregory peck they don't talk about the stocking moon because it didn't do too well as well i guess so um, but and you said it was late si- late 60s right so yep. it's later gregory peck yeah you know. 68 you know it's like 68. guys like gregory peck and james stewart and stuff when they're doing westerns around this period they're like doing yeah. more interesting ones like slightly right. tougher ones they're kind of transitioning to revisionist westerns and stuff like that you know and yeah responding to spaghetti westerns to an extent yeah so yeah cool yeah all right so uh we're gonna take a quick break we're going to come back to talk about the shadow and uh i don't know about you guys but uh i think we are unquestionably on the brink of a great discovery it is not likely that that discovery will be of a pleasant nature you ungodly warlock motion picture massacre fuck you we talk about exploitation movies grindhouse movies fucking cult movies horror movies okay we don't talk about fucking romantic comedies over here we're not talking about fucking sandra bullock or some shit we're talking about good movies the kind that people like to watch yes
ungodly warlock. All right, The Shadow from 1994. We do have a trailer. He was consumed by evil for as long as you can remember. You struggled against your own black heart. Shoot through him. Every man pays a price for redemption. I'm not looking for redemption. You have no choice. But I'll teach you to use your black shadow to fight evil. He became the shadow. I didn't see anything. I swear. Tomplum. Who's there? Did you think you'd get away with it? Did you think I wouldn't know? When the world is in danger, report. Police investigation of murder. Agent advises inquiry. Who knows what powers stir in the night? Whatever you did, it's in the past. Join me. Inside you beats a heart of darkness. I do what I do to fight back the evil inside me, but some part of it is still there, waiting. Genghis Khan conquered half the world in his lifetime. I intend to finish the job. And when the adventure begins, activate the bomb. Who knows where it will end? Alec Baldwin, John Lone, Penelope Ann Miller, and Tim Curry. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The Shadow. Is directed by Russell Mulkey, I think. Uh, Mulkey. Mulkey. Okay. I think it's yeah. Mulkey. He. It's yeah. Okay. <laughs> Russell Mulkey. It is. Um, 163 directing credits, which sounded crazy at first. I was like, oh no, this guy is one of the most prolific mu- movie, uh, music movies. Yes. Oh yes. Movics. All the movics. Music video director. Wild um, boys. Mm-hmm. He he done a ton of shit. Just check his IMDb. He's too much stuff to list to uh, list, but. Also, his directing credits are pretty fucking impressive, yes. at least for the like, you know, his early on in his career. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he started out with Razorback uh, from 84, goes on to do Highlander, Highlander to the quickening, eh. which I believe, if, if not mistaken, is not one that he really. I think they took it away from him. I think they took it away from yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, he, for some reason, he did a remake of On the Beach in 2000, which. Seems like a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, if, if people are not familiar with that one, that that's also a Gregory Peck film, by the way. Yes, From, it is. Yeah, um, uh, uh, one of the more bleak post-apocalyptic uh, films ever made. Yeah, I remember that was when they did it as like a TV event, like a TV uh-huh. one, back when they had those like um, event made for TV movies. I was like. It's- Starring Armand Asante of all yes. people. It's <laughs> like, what? Okay. Um, he did one of the better Resident Evil films, Resident he, Evil Extinction. Which, isn't he the only, uh, up until recently, isn't he the only one that other than that Paul Anderson, Paul, um, W. Paul Anderson? Thomas. Yeah. No, no, no. Not, not Paul Thomas. <laughs> no, I almost made no. that up. Uh, I almost did. I was fucked up. Uh, <laughs> I thought he that was never the only one that, because uh, he, he, he like, Mulcahy, he did like, was like the fourth one or something. It was like all Anderson, then Mulcahy, and then Anderson came back or something. Yeah, like that, something like but. that. 
But yeah, that was the one. I think that's one in Las Vegas or something. Mm-hmm. Was, yeah, that that one was okay. It was it yeah. was all right. Um, then uh, he went on to do the Scorpion King Two: Rise of a Warrior. Which, yeah. Uh, oh. So one thing uh, I would say uh, that doesn't really—it's not by any means like a great movie. But in like '99, speaking of like Scorpion King, like uh, right around the time that the Stephen Summers, Brendan Fraser mummy movie was out and huge. Um, he did the direct to video tale of the mummy. I can't remember what it's okay. called. Um, it's technically based on Bram, a Bram Stoker novel. Oh um, yeah. The Jewel uh, of a seven star of oh, the Jewel of seven stars. Um, mm-hmm. It's, you know, a total direct to video, like cash in on, on the, the big budget movie. Uh, it's like Jason Scott Lee is the lead. And uh, okay, yeah. I can't remember. Um, I was working in a video store at the time, and so I would just watch everything, um, especially if it was horror-related. And mm-hmm. I always remember that one being a, a much more like solid like cash grab than uh, than most. And maybe it helped that it had like it was based on something else, so it wasn't trying to be right. It almost, it almost feels like that was just made and was like, oh shit, we just got lucky because there's this big mummy movie. Let's cash yeah. in on let's 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 market it, bitch. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if it was one of those things that they shot like a couple of years earlier. Mm-hmm. And then because because the budget, I I do remember like it it, it it everything about it felt a little bit better than its contemporaries. Sometimes that's an interesting measure for a director is like you want you see like this like was supposed to be a big budget like summer blockbuster but then to see him after doing one of those kind of get knocked back down to the minors more or less and still retain like uh, a sense of you know some style and some some flair because i mean of all whatever you feel about the shadow like there's no lack of style like it's not like um i you know he's one of those guys that i kind of feel like maybe kind of got a raw deal Maybe uh, I, I think this movie's lack of success. Um, I think he took the all of the brunt of it because look at his yeah. career after it. It was yeah. like everyone else, anyone else that was involved with this, like from the writer to like, you know, obviously the, the stars, you know, all continued on and, and went upward, if nothing else. And he's the one that like kind of got, you know, smacked down. Unless like. unless you're like a great director who has like a big bunch of shit on your resume that's awesome you're almost always going to get shit on for a fucking failure like yeah you're going to take the brunt of it and then like the writers and the producers and everybody else are just going to go on like it's the way it happens well and yeah for the writer of this movie it's like he had a he had the ace up his sleeve and that um jurassic park was out yeah he wrote that so he wrote the screenplay so i guess you don't really i mean maybe if that hadn't been out or coming out like around then maybe he might maybe david kept might not have recovered i don't know but like but yeah mm-hmm. i was i you know i always feel a little there's that little um bit of like i feel bad for mulcahy because it just seems like i, I do too because he like he's some potential and yeah he's got he's got good movies under his belt like i think fucking highlander is an all-time classic like yeah that, that's that's a great stylistic fucking movie that's amazing and honestly you know spoilers i really like this film that we're talking about tonight so it's like there's no reason why he shouldn't still be making bigger movies like other than the fact that he took the brunt of the failure of this that's right yeah oh exactly yeah we got alec baldwin as lamont cranston the slash the shadow unfortunately 
in the news these days for shooting a person and killing them yeah. on set. Yeah. Uh, you know, say what you will about that. Uh, I, I don't know all the details. It, it sounded pretty, sounded like some people were not doing their jobs yeah. on set. And I, I personally, like, from anything that I've read, like, I, you know, other than, like, just him already being kind of like a problematic personality. Yeah. You know, stuff like, it kind of sounds more like a prop issue than it does an actor issue. But mm-hmm. I think the problem is he's been such, a, like, a tool, like, that, like, most people aren't willing to even cut him, like, a little bit of slack. So, yeah, it doesn't help when you get a reputation with being a fucking asshole in the first place. It's like, right. okay, we're, I don't care if, if it was your fault or not. We're going to blame you yeah. anyway, you know. Um, one thing that's interesting to say about with this particular movie, for, for people listening, you know, now, like, keep in mind, you got to keep, you got to cast your mind back and go, this is pre-comedy Alec Baldwin. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, Beetlejuice, but he was still pretty much a straight man kind right. of actor in that. Um, so this is this is like Hunt for Red October. Mm-hmm. Um, this is leading man. Um, yep. You know, dashing um, Alec Baldwin. Because right now, it's like you think of, you know, to me, I kind of say, like, what's interesting is, um, you know, all the talk about Alec Baldwin is like he could have been in, you know, he could have been Batman. He was a contender yeah. for, instead of Keaton and like stuff. And it's like you think about Alec Baldwin now, and you'd be like, he could be the Adam West Batman. Like he's got that mm-hmm. same deadpan, like, com- you know, he does. But, but this is not that Alec yeah. Baldwin. This is it's very serious. Alec Baldwin. <laughs> it's the, this is this is Alec Baldwin where it's like first shot of me. I'm coming out of bed with a bunch of uh, oh, Asian whores and a bunch of heroin around me, and and, and I got like the yeah oh, and God. chest hair to shame Sasquatch. Like Dude. it's just yeah, he, he's 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 all he's all 100 alpha male man. Yeah, there's so. no getting around Alec Baldwin in this movie. Yeah. It's a very Alec Baldwin movie. <laughs> it's, it's the Baldwinest of yeah. Baldwin movies. Yeah, um, we got John Lone as Shawn Khan. Uh, not a big repertoire here as far as uh, stuff on his IMDb. He's only done, he only had like twenty six actual yeah, acting credits. But he's awesome. But, yeah, he's awesome. Mostly bit parts though in, in a lot of his stuff. Yeah. But uh, like I guess he's best known for like the he's got a part in the Last Emperor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in my like, favorite James Bond movie. <laughs> I've never watched the Last Emperor, so oh uh, yeah, I know about the Last Emperor, but like no, he's in License to Kill, my favorite James Bond. Movie. Is he? Oh okay. yeah, 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 he's um, yeah, but again, like kind of a uh, uh, like what would be like a fifth level villain, like you know, like he's not, like, he's oh, not uh, the henchman. He's, he's he's it's again, it's it's just slightly more than like a bit part. You know, it's a little mm-hmm. more meaty, but like yeah, he's awesome. Uh, he's he's in the hunted, which is the um, oh my god, I'm blanking on a fucking name now. Highlander himself, and I'm blanking on his fucking Lambert. name. Lambert, Lambert, Christopher Lambert, hunted, yeah. Uh, that revenge movie where he goes around chopping people off with samurai swords and shit. Oh yeah, yeah, yes, yes. I, I... Uh, he's also in Rush Hour too, uh, and he's you know I guess he's got like a bit part as well in uh, War, which was the Jet Li versus Jason Statham film. <laughs> from a few years back. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I can now vaguely remember a, a trailer for that. Yeah. I almost, I almost kind of feel like the failure of this film kind of sidetracked his career because he's really good in this, and I feel yeah. like 
yeah, if this had been a hit, he would have got better parts. Um, uh, we got Penelope Ann Miller as uh, Margot Lane. A uh, bunch of classic stuff she's been in. Adventures in Babysitting, Big Top Pee Wee, Kindergarten Cop. Yep, she uh, was the main. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was in Chaplin, the, the Robert Downey Jr. Chaplin. Uh, Carlito's Way and The Relic. A uh, personal favorite of mine, even though that movie's kind of dumb, but it's it's fun, dumb. The relic, I love that one. Uh, <laughs> we got Peter Boyle here as Mo uh, Shervitz. Shervitz. Uh, yeah, and man, he's so underused in this film. I can't believe it. Like he's so fucking good, and he's just yeah. kind of like eh. Uh, but but he's been in stuff like Medium Cool. We've covered him in the Friends of Eddie Coyle on this podcast years ago. Um, Young Frankenstein, of course, Crazy mm. Joe, Taxi Driver, playing a taxi driver here as well, of course, uh, Hardcore and Where the Buffalo Roam and Outland, all, all great stuff that he's been in. Uh, most people just know him as Raymond's dad. Yes. <laughs> un- unfortunately. Um, we got Ian McKellen as Reinhardt Lane, and he is the reason that I picked this movie Dude, for, for this time around. So. Surprises me every time I watch this movie. Like, I mm-hmm. I forget that Ian McKellen is in it until I get to that introduction scene. I'm like, oh my god, Ian McKellen's in this movie. <laughs> it's 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 kind of crazy to think, oh yeah, he's doing superhero movies even back back in here, yeah. back around here, right? You know? Uh, Tim Curry as Farley Claymore, 239 acting credits, which is fucking crazy. But then you look at the stuff he's done and it's like, oh, he did like every fucking bit part that would give him money. Like, yes. it, oh, yeah, yeah, or anything. Yeah. He's one of those guys like I will act for whatever dollar you throw at me. Yeah. Like, and, you know, and I would pay. I bet good money that every one of them is a good performance. Oh, like, yeah. He, no matter what. Like, I, I still I can't help but. I know he's got so many iconic roles, but he was in one of the um, Command and Conquer games that had full motion video oh, back yeah, in the day yeah, yeah. where he's playing a Russian general and he does the worst Russian accent. I, I love that era of games when they when they had just enough money and just scraped by on the tech to do that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, um, Who's the guy infamously that was in that Wing Commander game? Oh, Mark Hamill was in that. And right, Mark Hamill. And then um, not Malcolm, Malcolm McDowell. Malcolm McDowell, yes. Oh, yeah. my God. Like, it's just, just talk about, I mean, maybe Hamill knew what he was in for, but you, you, McDowell had no idea what he was doing. He didn't know mm-hmm. that it wasn't a movie. <laughs> no, no one told him. He was like, I'm going to be in this movie yeah. about Wing Commanders. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, but I love that game, too. That was good. Um, but, yeah, Tim Curry, he's been, of course, Rocky Horror Picture Show, The Shout, Legend, Clue, The Hunt for Red October, It, of course, Congo. Psych. Yeah, Psych. Uh, uh, Muppet Treasure Island. <laughs> that's, that's something I have to mention now because Lee has gotten me into the Muppet movies in the last few years. So. <laughs> They're good. Like And, and then the, just talking about, like, random TV that he shows up on, uh, he showed up for an episode of Lex. Which is, you know, the Canadian German co production sci fi film. Uh, well, there was a film, but uh, made for TV oh, film yeah. and series. Yeah. Where it's like all the, it's this weirdo one where all these, these uh, desperate people are all brought together and they're flying around in a like uh, living bug battleship kind of thing. Yep. It's kind of, oh, it's yeah. kind of like Farscape without the Muppets, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> but that's a, that's a great like uh, mm. endorsement of. <laughs> 
I mean, you know, it, it, it had its it had its time. Lex did. It, it had some interesting stuff. It had titties in some of the earlier seasons and stuff, too. So, you know, yeah. All right. Stuff. Well, yeah. then there you go, because Farscape probably didn't mm-hmm. have that. Farscape never had titties. No. Um, and we got Jonathan Winters, which I forgot he was in this. I, I I've mean, never seen this. Two scenes. Like- yeah. But police commissioner Wainwright Barf. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Um, of course, mostly known as, you know, like a comedian. Uh, he, had, he did do some notable stuff. It's a mad, 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 mad world. Uh, he was Grandpa Smurf in the uh, TV movies and the Smurfs TV show. Uh, <laughs> I was looking through his credits. It's like anything here jumping out at me. The yeah, Smurfs. He's, he's okay. definitely a guy that like obviously has a career and like is very like respected and well-known but then yeah sometimes you look at like his list and you're like so what is it <laughs> like i guess he just liked like doing a lot of kids tv shows yeah. and cartoons and stuff like he just did a lot of voice work so yeah, yeah. you know more power to him yeah um sab shrimono as dr roy tam uh andre gregory is burbank bradley sudutani as too cool and uh, we have the great James Hong as Lee Ping here, just briefly in the opening of the film, but completely wasted. Yeah, four hundred fifty-one acting credits, still going today at ninety-three years old. That's crazy. Yeah, Pro- he's possibly probably the most well-known that guy actor mm-hmm. of East Asian yeah. heritage. Yeah, ever right? Like, oh god, yeah. He's been working steady since nineteen fifty-four. Like, and I mean steady. Like, you look at his credits; he's still working. Like, he, I think his last couple credits are not too long ago. Like, he he's still been in stuff. Like, mm-hmm. so yeah, fucking fucking crazy. Uh, of course, Chinatown, Kung Fu, Blade Runner, Big Trouble in Little China, The Golden Child, Revenge of the Nerds Two, Tango and Cash. Kung Fu Panda. Oh, yeah. Matt might know what that is. Um, (laughs) I have a little familiarity. Yes. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So that's that's enough of the cast. Uh, Based on the 1930s pulp fiction and radio drama series, this movie pits the hero against his arch enemy, Shawan Khan, John Lone, who plans to take over the world by holding a city ransom using an atomic bomb. Using his powers of invisibility and the power to cloud men's minds, the shadow, Alec Baldwin, comes blazing to the city's rescue with explosive results. Thank you, Michael Ross from IMDb. That's wow. That's, that's not it's not bad. It's not bad. It's uh, I guess I, accurate, but not. I don't know. Yeah, I, don't, <laughs> I'm good. I, I guess I guess I'm not here to nitpick uh, someone else's description of a movie. What am I doing? <laughs> yeah. I didn't write it. Who am I? Um, uh, but uh, yeah, Matt, what are your general thoughts on this one? I guess the elephant in the room is that it's Batman Jr. I mean, mm-hmm. this movie doesn't exist in, in this form anyways without uh, 89 Batman. So, yeah. but that's just, you can't, you can't get around it. But what I will say, um, setting, setting that comparison aside, because um, it's going to be hard to, like, as you proceed through this movie at all. I loved it. Like, I saw this in the theater. I was one of the opening day people. Um, <laughs> and because I've always been an old time radio fan, um, even when they were hard, like old episodes were harder to come by and you'd have to like buy like expensive, like cassette collections or whatever, mm-hmm. the shadow being one of one of, if not the most like, I guess, well-known famous old time radio show was always pretty 
readily available. So it's one of some of the first stuff I heard. And uh, this movie is is the radio show. Like it's not the pulps. Like there's a couple elements from the pulps. Um, mm-hmm. But otherwise, this is just really just adapting the radio show. So when I saw this movie, it was one of my first, I think, experiences seeing something that really like faithfully adapted um, something that I was very familiar with. Because, you know, at the time, like uh, there wasn't that many comic book movies and the ones that there were were usually decently um different than the comics. Right. Like mm-hmm. even Tim Burton's Batman did not resemble. I mean, he got he got the spirit, I guess caught the spirit of the character but like they didn't it didn't feel like the comic book walked off the page and became the michael keaton movie whereas like for all intents and purposes watching this movie felt like you know the visual version of those radio shows so and and to that i have to give this movie a lot of credit because um you could say that like they had no reason I don't think there was anyone like knocking down their door to make sure this was faithful to yeah. what, 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 you know, the source material. And the fact that it was it, is a testament in my opinion to um, the fact that this wasn't uh, just like a, uh, a work, you know, like a, a cash grab gig for, I think anyone involved. So. Right. Right. Uh, Lady Lee. Um, <laughs> I uh, basically, wrote down that it's a uh, Tim Burton and Danny Elfman ripoff because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's uh, like the style is very Batman-esque. Like it's very uh, the Batman, Batman Returns type style um, as Matt mentioned. But the big thing for me was the music. Oh yeah. The music sounded exactly like Danny Elfman and it sounded like stuff from Nightmare Before Christmas and stuff from Batman. Um, there was like I'm pretty sure there was a couple tunes in there where I'm like, that is very very close. Like I'm surprised you didn't get a lawsuit against you because I uh, I was obsessed with um, Nightmare Before Christmas and there was like something in there that was uh, very similar, like insanely close. <laughs> like yeah, there was a couple cues and it's uh, Jerry Goldsmith was the composer. I was trying to remember who it was here, which. But yeah, yes, yeah. He, he did his best Danny Elfman for this for sure. Yeah, it literally was a ripoff of Danny Elfman. Like the music, uh, the, at least this I understand because it was kind of that uh, comic book style. So I can see where it got its uh, inspiration from versus the music I found was just a copycat. Like I didn't think there's any originality to the music. It was very, very much similar to Danny Elfman, like almost identical. Mm. I can't, I can't speak to the Nightmare Before Christmas thing because you were saying like there's maybe some stingers and stuff in here that is sort of reminiscent of that. Like mm-hmm. I, I totally, I totally agree. Like the main themes and stuff are very just without maybe the big flourish that Batman yeah. has. But um, I thought there were parts of the score that I really enjoyed. Like there's, there's like these continuing like little stingers that come out in different parts that like give it a bit of a darker feel, a less, a less kind of like uplifting goofy kind of thing that the original Burton Batman has, even though back when the, back in the day, it's funny now when we think about it, when the original Tim Burton Batman came out, everyone's like, Oh, look how dark Batman is now. And then you look at that movie now. It's like, uh, yeah, there's not, there's there's moments, but yeah, no, mm-hmm. like that movie is very like that's a whimsical movie, like it, yeah, but it didn't feel like it at the time. You know? But this this feels like oh, we're gonna do that, 
but we're going to make it a little bit darker and we're going to put these stings in here to like, you know, make it a bit more serious, a bit more pulpy, you know, we're, we're going to kill people in this movie, you know, kind of thing. We're going to make people jump out of windows. Yeah. There's a lot of that. That's uh, (laughs) a, that's a recurring gag in this film. There's a sight gag in this. I, I'm always bowled over by. I'm like, whoa! I cannot believe they made that a punchline. But like, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, sorry to sorry to interrupt there, Lee. Uh, anything else? Oh no. Um, I did. Don't get me wrong. I did really enjoy the music. But yeah, there was just too much where it was like it was a mimic versus like original because the music did sound incredible. Like yeah, the, um, the scores were incredible. It's just unfortunate that it just sounded too much like other stuff I've heard, like in other movies. Mm-hmm. So I found the originality for the music wasn't there. But uh, set design, costuming, all that kind of stuff I thought was um, very well done. Like the costumes are gorgeous. The sets were like visually beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, the There was moments that I really enjoyed about this movie and then there was moments that I thought just were ridiculously cheesy. Like just too much for me like i get the the style of the movie so i get like the cheesiness which is fine but um that blade no, <laughs> i God. really didn't like that blade that blade just i i wish that didn't exist like the rest yeah. like most of the movie i thought was great but that blade just uh, it just I, I, I agree okay so like there there are times where the special effects are really good there's some early cgi in this where sometimes it comes off okay yeah. like i i like the i like for instance i like the blade until you get to the close-up of it right yeah like when when it's doing the shit in the air early on in the opening scenes and then you know the scene where uh shuan khan is taking that tapestry or whatever he's looking at and making an unravel in front of him. I thought that looks fucking cool. Like and the, yeah. the face, what they did with his face, we see and with, the face. And the, the face that morph really is good cool. too. Yeah, I like yeah. that. But then, but then you look at that blade and you're like, is this Charlie Band? Is this full right, pictures no. all of a sudden? Or is it like um, an insert shot from like an Army of Darkness thing where they're intentionally going for something stupid? Stupid, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and the fact that they insist on like doing that same shot like Mm -hmm. again keep it at a distance have it be like this dagger that like he has to contend with to like master his power right doesn't need a face on it it. does not need a face it does not need to bite someone like Mm -hmm. it's a it's a knife knives don't need teeth like I just, all, yeah, all the, all that blade is is a visual represent, representation of the yeah. contest between wills between Khan and the Shadow. And even at that point, like again, whether it was like cut to pieces, this movie. I mean, like I don't really know, but like it it barely functions as that too. So like it mm-hmm. even as a plot point, it's you know already like yeah. But then yeah, that face, man, like it just keeps doing it. It threw me life. out. Like, it just yeah. threw me out of the movie. Like it just because there's a um, very f- uh, fantasy uh, feeling about this movie because mm-hmm. of like the music and the scenery and all that stuff. So you kind of get into it, and then you see that fucking blade, and you're like, really? A- am I? And I remember it not looking good. I mean, like I remember in the theater, like you know when this movie came out. I think I was like, uh, what, what year did this come out? Ninety four. Ninety four. So I was like thirteen. And I remember even then, like going like, "Oh come on!" 
like am yeah, i mistaken so, or did it make a noise too did the blade make i a think noise? it hisses doesn't it yeah i think yeah it did something it made some sort of yeah it which it, means it has a voice box or some, yeah some kind of well if you look at it, it opens his mouth its tongue look it's got a tongue and a mouth and it looks wet it's like yeah. is this a creature what is going on like I, I, this is um and Kenny we'll Valley. It, like <laughs> i i have to imagine like that this script whether it was shot or not but like there had to be like 30 more pages in the screenplay mm-hmm. um especially in this in the opening stuff because like it really feels like they just there's so much stuff that they just like expect you just to go like just get on board with without them they really dro- accounting for it they and- dr- they drop his whole becoming the shadow origin mm-hmm. They hint like, here's the blade over it yeah. with a with a title card or like a yeah okay and- yeah I was gonna say that too like I just um for me who didn't know who the shadow was yeah I would have appreciated if they did take a little bit longer to kind of go over the origin story yeah like um because then when they just had him in the situation where he gets stabbed by the blade that bites him as well mm-hmm. um and we get that like. Star Wars thing where it's like, here's the story. But it comes yeah. weirdly late. And I mean, it's like, what, like 10 minutes into the movie when you get an mm-hmm. opening crawl? It's like, no, no, no. Opening crawls happen before anything else happens. Right. Like, you yeah, don't. Yeah, and then they just. <laughs> it, it, doesn't, hey. it, it doesn't set anything up, right? Because so, like, you start out and we see Alec Baldwin as this drug warlord in somewhere in China, Mongolia, wherever. Mm-hmm. And. And it's like he gets to reveal it's like, oh, this white man with long nails kind of doing a Fu Manchu. And it's like, what what it's like, what the fuck is going on here? They don't explain that at first because no. there is an origin for that in the actual like I think it's it's kind either of. kinda in the in like the novels and stuff, I think mm-hmm. that came after, right? But because I did I have back when I was a teenager teenager, I did read some of the shadow stuff. Yeah. But, I, so I've gotten well, and we don't have to do this right now, but like I've gotten pretty good at like summarizing what the shadow was mm-hmm. um, in each in in the books and then in the radio show and then what they tried to do in like kind of mashing elements together in this. And it's uh, um, the movie again, like in whether it was like uh, had to get cut for run because another thing to say is like this movie's like an hour 50 hour yeah something like that this is back in the time when like you know this was all about like how many showings can you get per day like think about like a marvel movie now being turned in at under two hours like the, yeah. the studio would not they would they'd be like you need it long it needs to be longer whereas it i guarantee you this movie probably if they shot a lot of extra stuff it probably it probably came in at like 210 and mm-hmm. the studio was probably like, you need to lose like 30 minutes. Cause that's, right. I feel like that's the only um, way that like the talent behind this movie would end up with the kind of choppiness of really it's the, you know, the first 15 minutes and then, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, it's very, yeah, it's just very sloppily done in the first open it, like, you know, in the opening parts where it's like, you really want to like shadow is not a character. A lot of people know like Batman, you can get away with yeah. like, like they've proven that in the recent Batman film, you can get away with not talking about his parents' death. All that. Yeah. Much, you don't right? need to talk about his death. And everything. Right. <laughs> well, and so, it's, it doesn't help um, with the shadow though. Like it, it was never like in the books, his origin was purposefully mysterious. 
Mm-hmm. So you didn't even get like in in like in the it was these were monthly novels. There was a right. hundred plus written, hundred and fifty written by the same guy or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, oh yeah, I did. I didn't mention that when I was going through the thing. Um, well, uh, Maxwell Grant was what he was often. Um, yeah, Walter Gibson. Was Walter the, Gibson. He did three hundred novel length shadow yeah. stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he so his version of the character was very mysterious. Like you didn't know who, what the shadow was. Lamont Cranston wasn't the shadow. Lamont Cranston was an identity that the shadow masqueraded as. Yeah. Um, Cause he cause actually was like were, five characters. Like, yeah, there, there was a version. I know there's a version of the shadow. And this was a thing that confused me back as a teenager. Cause I, I had a different kind of, like I had a couple, a couple different things I had like seen and read. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, okay, there's there's one version where Lamont Cranston is the shadow. Yeah. There's another the version. Show. Yeah, and then there's another version where Lamont Cranston uh is the alias the shadow uses because the real Lamont Cranston looks so much like the shadow mm-hmm. that the shadow can masquerade as him yes. and like you know, out out and about. And he's kind of like blackmailing this rich guy and saying, like, if yeah. you if you if you fuck around, I'm just going to kill you and take your identity anyway. So play ball, bitch. Yeah, that, what, would, ooh, that would have made more sense to me had they played that one, just because like how the commissioner was his uncle. Yeah, that really threw me off. So, yeah, I, I guess just for the sake of it, like the, the very like short like version is like. In, in the novels, like, uh, the shadow is actually a guy named Kent Allard, which mm. is basically the premise that we get at the opening of this movie, which was he was a, a pilot in, like, World War One that was shot down somewhere in the Orient where it was all magical because that's just <laughs> yeah. the time it was all, you know. Um, and he learned uh, the art of clouding men's minds or, well, actually... I should not. They talk about that in the novels, but it's not really a power in the, in the the novels. But yeah, it's, but it, like the I think the radio show doesn't even have that, right? It's the radio show has it as like hypnotism, basically right. like this movie. Um, but so Kent Allard was like shot down, learned a bunch of stuff in the Orient, and then came back to the you know the United States to fight crime. But what he did was. Um, Lamont Cranston was essentially like the Bruce Wayne that like Christian Bale played like the, mm-hmm. the playboy, like party drinking guy um, that he was really living that life, like traveling Europe. So while he was out of the country, Kent Allard took that name to be <laughs> the shadow there. But then he was also like three other people. So he was his right. own, like kind of like team. Um and then when the radio show came, they were like, that's too confusing. <laughs> like, so, uh, And they literally say in the opening of the radio show, the shadow, who in reality is Lamont Cranston, man about town. Like, that's boom. And you're like, OK, mm-hmm. so we, we went from like this complicated, mysterious origin to uh, Batman's Bruce Wayne, Superman's Clark Kent. Uh, the shadow is Lamont Cranston. Just yeah, yeah. Know. And I think that's I think the movie is like really smart in doing that. Like, like I think they do kind of cherry pick. The kind they try to nod towards the Ken Allard stuff with mm-hmm. the way we meet Alec Baldwin in this without going into the idea that he was ever not Lamont Cranston. It was just right. Yeah. So but it's just interesting because, again, it feels very like 
I, I'm my assumption is that David Kep, the writer, must have been a fan of the mm-hmm. radio shows and stuff because he does enough stuff in here that like you can tell is at least a nod to something that came before. When again, this is the shadow. No one would have known. Like no yeah. one would have known. Like if, like Batman can't have not have a Commissioner Gordon. Like people would recognize that that would be missing. In here, you know, they they don't they have the commissioner. They change the name and they they give him a relationship because no one's going to know. Like right, like so. Yeah, no, yeah. like the the entire audience for this, like outside of you. Uh, mm-hmm. like the, the rest of the rest of the people who would know the shadow is like a bunch of 60 year old dudes, like who aren't going to see the movie, who weren't yeah, going to see it at the time, who are going to see it. So it's like, this is essentially a new property in 1994 yeah. that they're establishing. And that, like, as far as what this movie does, as far as cherry picking different things from the different versions of the shadow, I think it makes it work pretty well. Like, yeah. I think, like, I think it's like, okay, we got an idea. We're going to establish, this version of the shadow is canon. And then, you know, Hey, if this is a success, we're going to have the shadow part two or right. something, you know? Right. And, you know, I have to say like, again, wh- one of the things that they, it, I, you can tell again that like he, the writer had to be a fan because like, there's a lot of moments when we go through this movie where I feel like he had like fanboy questions about like the radio show and mm-hmm. he found himself in the position to be able to like provide the answers. Cause the radio show was never like, they were never thinking past the next episode. There was no, there was no like uh, uh, market for like consistency at that point, like episode to episode Lamont and Margot could be like the best of friends or they could be romantic or they could kind of not know each other. You know, it's like, mm. so I feel like a lot that we see in this movie is him answering his own question, like his own questions about this character. But um, I, I, I feel like that may be also while interesting to me, maybe part of what hindered this movie from being successful. Um, because for something that no one really knew anything about, there's a lot of stuff that about it that feels very like you need to know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned Lady Lee, the, uh, how you liked how, like, it basically looked, how, like, the, mm-hmm. uh, the, the kind of aesthetic here. Like, this is, you know, it, it's not pre CGI, but, like, there's no CGI backgrounds or anything here. Like, it's all, you can tell it's all on set, it's all built. Mm-hmm. Like, it, like, there's composite shots in this, like, for the, like, the, I guess it's the Himalayan mountains or something yeah. like that along the lines, lines of that. And then, you know, you got matte paintings. When you, when you when you get especially in the city there's there's map yes. paintings all over the fucking place um I basically that. anytime you see the city skyline is more or less mm-hmm. a map painting and, and like this kind of this kind of feels like the more realistic version of Gotham City cuz like when you look at the Tim Burton Gotham City it's very super stylized to the point yeah. where it's like that doesn't look like a real city at all like that yeah. Right. But uh, you know what? I this, I guess it's worth pointing out that um, while we keep comparing this to the 89 Batman, like um, th- this, whereas the 89 Batman was kind of like a felt like a movie that was kind of timeless, like the setting, like it was it was current, but like mm-hmm. there was a lot of retro. This movie is squarely set in the pre-World War II days. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so it's in the thirties. It's, um, you know, it's a period piece for lack of a, lack of a better, you know, term. Um, so, you know, you, it, which is good. It's, I mean, it's true. It's true to the character. And there's a lot like when you get into like what the shadows powers are that like, you realize that it's very tricky, would be tricky to update him to, to bring him into right. a more modern time. Um, but whereas like the 89 Batman felt again, like it felt retro and modern at the same time. Um, this movie is very much like it's almost in the set design. It's almost more like the Dick Tracy movie that Warren Beatty made just like a mm. couple years prior where it was very intentionally stagey and like, you know, um, artificial sets and like, and stuff like that. I, um, which is another movie that didn't do well. So, you know, this movie was really, you know, that, <laughs> coming that, on the heels or something. Yeah. That, that whole timeless thing was a good, like, that was a thing that the Batman animated series perfected oh, yeah. when, it, when it took, when it shot off for the Burton movies. Honestly, but, you could probably say that, like, the animated series might have more visually in common with this shadow. I was about to, oh, okay, I, was, sorry. I was about to say that. I was like, I'm, I'm watching this and I'm like, this is so close to the animated series version mm-hmm. of Batman, like where if you had done an animated series of the shadow, it would have worked like yeah. the Batman series did. Mm-hmm. I think the problem with this movie though, is for anybody who doesn't know anything about the shadow, there's just a lot of like plot holes that if you don't really know what it's being talked about, you don't really know what's happening. Like, mm-hmm. Um, there's other movies where you can kind of watch other superhero movies or other type of movies where at least uh, there's a storyline. So whether or not you know about the comic books or you know about any of the series, you can still follow along. This one, I found myself getting lost a lot. Like it just, I didn't, Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. uh, I didn't flow very well. I think um, you might be right. He was like a a super fan. So Mm -hmm. he was kind of making a movie for himself instead of making a movie for the the masses. Yeah. Because, yeah, the, there's just a lot that's missed. Like, there's just a lot that's kind of starts and then stops or, like, not really explained. Like, so, yeah. yeah. I, you know, I there's – um I, I off the top of my head, um, I can't think of another good example. I wish I could. But, like, um, this is one of those scripts that I do feel like um, it, the best way to describe it is almost like it's talking to itself. Like, it's not it's – not, talking to the audience as much as it's like, you know, it's talking, it's, it's talking itself through why it needs to do the next thing, Mm. but without letting the audience in on like why. So it's like, okay, let's, you know, I kind of, I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like maybe the phantom kind of does that a little bit. Kind of. Yeah. That's um, another one that I, have a lot of fondness for um that one gets i think gets away with a little bit more because there's an interesting mix of comedy and it didn't take itself too seriously the phantom although it was a straight ahead drama i always like to say um the phantom is one of those uh, the the phantom is has one thing in common with slumber party massacre and only one thing and that is the director and the writer were not on the same page the 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 writer of the phantom made a very tongue-in-cheek kind of comedic movie or wrote it and the Mm -hmm. director came in and went this is an action movie okay so he shot the script as written but kind of kept the tone not quite comedic so it's Mm. got this very interesting thing and it actually in that 
kind of miscommunication works for the phantom it really kind of get it kind of it, it feels like a romp just like a fun you know mm-hmm. where this since this movie wants to be so serious i feel like the the inconsistencies and like the the um plot holes are more glaring because it's telling you take this movie ser- it's take me seriously this is i'm this is a serious movie with high stakes and stuff so when the plot doesn't hold together you, you know you're kind of like well yeah I know what to i didn't know how to properly react to it <laughs> some things I'll, I'll mention here um i really liked that uh we got like the not only did we have james hong in the opening of this film as you know pretty much the most well-known East Asian actor ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had probably the two most well-known uh, Asian hitmen or mm-hmm. henchmen. I mean, yes. uh, that you ever see in film, Al Leong and Gerald uh, Okamura are the two guys who bring in James Hong. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And like, if, if you, and of course they were all in big trouble, little China, that's mm-hmm. kind of like the nexus point for these, these three. Um, although they've been in everything and, uh, especially Ali Young, who has actually has the documentary henchman, uh, we, you know, where he just talks about, Hey, I'm the, I'm these balding Asian skinny dude who gets killed in every action movie that you see, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Gerald Okamura has been in tons of them too. He was in Samurai Cop, most notably, He's, <laughs> which is great. I actually really got a kick, and like this is something I picked up, and then I was going to the IMDb trivia, and something else, someone else picked this up, too. So the Shadow, when he uses his power, he clouds men's minds, and he yeah. also pro- he also projects like false images to people right so his persona as the shadow <laughs> does not quite look like him right so he looks like billy baldwin yes, like he does he looks like his alec baldwin's brother like i i thought that was great because the big nose is just like <laughs> yeah um i guess this is so one of the most interesting things about this movie to me is they really butted up against the problem that like the shadow does not have like interesting powers to visualize to, 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 to as a visual thing. I mean, primarily as an audio medium, like the idea of clouding men's minds, it's essentially he makes himself invisible to whoever he wants to affect. Mm-hmm. He doesn't become invisible. See, that's, that's the, that's the, this is not the invisible man where he's done something and he's actually invisible. He, for all intents and purposes is always right there he is just convincing the people in front of him that they cannot see him. Yeah. That's a weird thing to try and dramatize. Yeah. They, they display it like both him and Shwan Khan. They, they both uh, have the ability to like essentially take their, their powers and, and make them work. Yes. uh, You can try and explain it all you want. And that's the thing, right? Like is, what makes perfect sense in an audio thing like i have this ability to essentially hypnotize people and you can't see me mm-hmm. okay great but again as a visual medium that's not interesting because either you show it accurately which means you are showing the guy standing there the whole time and he's saying you can't see me but we can see him uh which would be funny and mm-hmm. actually the joke in what was that Amazon women on the moon that like uh, 
movie of like skits where mm-hmm. it was like the only funny one was like Griffin Dunn as the Invisible Man, and he takes off the bandages, and you can completely see him. And it turns mm-hmm. out he's just been injecting himself with so many drugs, he thinks he's invisible, but like <laughs> everyone can see him, and he's like walking around <laughs> trying to like mess things up, and the people are like, "We can see you," like, um, <laughs> but like, so what they do in this movie in what I say is like the scene that should have been the opening scene, they should have ditched that prologue and like cut it in as flashbacks. Cause that right. the scene of the shadow really like on the bridge when he's like mysteriously showing up, it looks really cool, mm-hmm. but really it doesn't make sense because he doesn't come out of a cloud. He's always there. He just blocks you from seeing him. So like, the best way I could think about like how you would even show it is you would almost have to show a lot of stuff through the point of view of the bad guys because mm-hmm. that's who's being affected. Right. So when it looks like he's materializing, it's a weird moment where it's like, so he's letting him, he's making the choice to allow himself to be seen for a split second, which yeah. is a weird choice if you're just thinking about the plot, but it needs to happen for the movie. So it's like, and again, I think this will go a long way to explain why did this movie like not do well? Because what are his powers? Like you, you can kind of explain them, but not really. That's true. Cause I was confused by his powers too. Like I, like I said, I don't have any store or um, knowledge of the shadow. And when he was in the tank and he got caught in the tank, I was like confused as to how, because I thought he had like this um, ability to kind of, um, like phase through things yeah or, or just like yeah like teleport. yeah because like in the beginning the way they made it sound was that he could be like everywhere and anywhere he was just kind of like yeah. he was a shadow he could go through things he'd do whatever um but then when he got shot i was like a little confused by it uh like how it happened yeah um because That's funny that thing. makes yeah that just it just makes sense now because realistically it was just he was uh, hypnotizing him to not be able to see him versus right. like he's actually everywhere. They they could have they they could have written in the simple thing that like he there's something mystical about his cloak he wears or something that right. makes but, him invisible. So this you guys kind of brought up two like of the other things that like we're hitting like everything that I have to say and then I'll probably be quiet for like most of this because we're hitting like all of the like the the things where I'm like I need to work this out because every time I talk about this movie, I'm like, I'm trying to figure this, like this out. But like, <laughs> so one of my, the moments that like, when I say like, it felt like the writer in the script was just talking to itself and answering a question is, okay. So say you got a character that basically turns himself invisible. What, what are you going to name him? Why would you ever name him the shadow? Invisibility is his power. So, that doesn't make any sense. Uh-huh. In, uh, that would be like Claude Rains played the shadow. He was the invisible man, right? Like it's, yeah, yeah. so this movie answers that by saying the only thing he leaves, like the only thing he can't erase from people's vision is his shadow. Right. That's not anywhere in any of the source material. Uh-huh. That's a, the conceit here. And it's like, it felt like the writer having to explain why this is called the shadow when he really should be called like the invisible man. <laughs> yeah. Cause you know, the shadow is just a cool name. <laughs> like it, yeah. the shadow as it started on the radio, didn't even start as this. It started off as like a crypt keeper, just a guy that he right. stories. Yeah. It, everything came after the fact. So he had the name, the shadow, 
and that had nothing to do with anything. So in this movie, the only way that the bad guys even see him is they will catch his sh- his literal shadow. Um, and they, they almost make it seem like he becomes the shadow or hides in the shadow itself. No, that's because, all that's left of him. Yeah, because when the when the he's fighting the Mongols in the lab, mm-hmm. they they pin him to the wall. They pin the shadow to the wall with, with their the knives. Yeah. yeah. Right, exactly. Which again it's another one of those moments where you're like, it's a cool image, but like if you take even like a second to kind of go like, but how? Like what yeah. Because the other thing that I was going to say which is very interesting is, you know, if you know anything about the shadow, like you kind of get like you, the image you'll get in your head is like, OK, like the hat, the, the cloak and maybe the red scarf. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all, you know, uh, again, another thing that's created after the fact, like um, it was not how he was present. Like uh, in the radio show, one of my favorite things to think about is like he never is dressed in anything other than whatever Lamont Cranston was wearing. Cause Lamont Cranston would investigate everything. And then at last minute, it would be like, now it's time for the shadow. And he just walk into the next room. So whatever Lamont Cranston's wearing is whatever the shadow is wearing. Cause he was invisible. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter. It, so there is no costume that he needed to change into. Whereas in this movie, again, it's following the Batman thing. They need the iconic thing. So there's they yeah, they try and work in like, okay, now he's got to like transform form put on this costume but you'd be like but why because no one's supposed to see him (laughs) like why does he why does he change into something to then become invisible it's like it's uh, and again the answer is because 89 batman worked really well and batman looked cool (laughs) (laughs) and it's just a Uh, copycat (laughs) and that's the answer right because otherwise the story doesn't tell you anything right it doesn't give you any reason it's like he's good guy he's got costume although i I gotta say like the also another thing where they present where he's doing the jedi mind tricks and he's Mm -hmm. you know like you you will forget the shadow you will not pay attention to the police reports of the right. shadow is like like it looks like he's giving <laughs> it looks like he's giving him brain cancer when he's doing that totally <laughs> like like cuz every time he puts suggestions in a person's mind they're like oh uh, like they're getting a tumor growing yeah. there like <laughs> well, it's, it's like, funny <laughs> like they um that's another thing that like was weirdly invented for this movie like that's not something that like he had ever like again, his his ability was always just hypnotic, not like post suggestive. Mm. Like so, um, you know, it's and and I know they needed it because that was the only way that like the plot for like the villain worked, right? Like, is they had to right. kind of set up that this would be happening, but like um, it's and it's it's kind of weird how like I, I really like the villain in this. I think mm-hmm. he's really fucking good. I, I like that he's kind of just like a beefed up version of the shadow where he's got the same powers, but he's been using them better, I guess. Yeah. Well, he, yeah. he, he has no, um, he, he has no feeling of like needing to restrain them or use them responsibly. Right. Right. And like, also he's been setting shit up for a while. Cause he's, he's, he set up that fucking, uh, hotel. He, he mailed himself. So yeah. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> he, shipped himself. Like, like he had that whole, like it suggests that he had that whole hotel built and then erased from everyone's mind. Or he hours. took over a thing or that, that was being built, but yes, like, I th- but either way, I, like, like, I he, did he, laugh. 
Sorry, finish. No, uh, I just uh, he, like he he went into a lot of detail. Like he set that up. He also kind of like he hooked up with uh, Tim Curry's character off to the screen, point, totally off off screen to the point where they set up. You're going to get the shadow in this big bitch ass water tank that exists for whatever reason to catch the shadow, apparently, because that's the only reason that room can exist is yeah. to grab the shadow and, 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 but it also exploit. looks like what Tim Curry and Ian McKellen were working on. It was like a giant. Yeah. You know, again, that's another part where you feel like there had to be a bunch of stuff cut out because when Tim Curry like does his full, you always know he's not a good guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like he, from his first, you know, he's slimy and weird, but like, uh, yeah, well, he, he's, no, he's, he should he's have ins- no reason to know that the, um, Shadow is even involved, and then he ch- captures him. He's like, "I'm gonna get you, Shadow." And you're like, "When did he?" There's no like there was he never had, groundwork yeah, laid. He here. had he had to know from the get go, right? Like the, there there was a point where Khan and Tim Curry's character planned this out like a year ahead of time. Yeah, because because they built that room, and like that room is purely there to catch the shadow because yeah. it because there there's no nuclear reactors there's no cooling down you know, like uranium rods or whatever right because it's just on point. like the docks it's not mm. like it's like it's like a circular like ground level water tower basically yeah but at the, the same time great set piece i oh, love that's it. Awesome. But it but it but it makes no sense <laughs> So I laughed because they had the building that was supposedly torn down 10 years ago mm-hmm. and they had the fence around it. And I was like, there's no way in freaking hell. No one's going to cross that fence. Like, right. Like someone's mm-hmm. going to, someone's going to hop the fence. Someone's going to cut the fence. Like I, I let my dog off leash, like just a backyard, like just the, in the back lot over my place. Cause there's like a bunch of grass and I had to be careful because the fence was cut. Right. <laughs> so yeah, they're just like out. huge hole in the fence because they wanted to go on the other side. I can guarantee you, especially in like a bigger city, there's going to be freaking holes cut. Cause people want to check in there. People want to go looking through because it's like, it's abandoned. So they're like, yeah. Oh, Hey, let's go check it out. Someone's going to walk there. <laughs> I, into know, a building. I guess in a, in, in a movie that could like, could execute the idea better. I, I, I think what you're supposed to take from that is like, that's how powerful Shimon Khan is that like, he has got everyone so under his spell that like people wouldn't even be inclined to do that. Right. Like, mm-hmm. but again, they kind of say that, but they never really like it, it, it. It's never really driven home. I think as, as sharply as you would want it to be. And like it, it, the way it's presented, like if he has that amount of power where he can hypnotize you know what a million people in the city at that point you know yeah like if, if he's that good then the shadow should be nothing for him like right. he should he should have like he, like when he says if i wanted you dead i'd have your liver up on a spike or something right. years ago like he would have literally done that right yeah it's also just thinking like nitpick on plot holes but um the idea that the same people all live in uh, the city all at the same time, like no. Oh, New York's just in. like a really small place. Like yeah, like, yeah, yeah. there's the nobody time. new entering who's not hypnotized. Like exactly, yeah. Okay, so it's ten years. Like that's a little. Like if it was just a year, I could see it. Like but, but see, but the thing years. is, it's actually not like because we see Shi Wan Khan enter this story, which means he in that time sees the building that has been built. 
and decides he likes it and then erases it from everyone's memory. So this is something that he has done within days. First of all, mm-hmm. all we know, like his spell on the city has been just days, not, not right. And, and, and again, That's yeah. And then you start getting into this thing where it's like, okay, and what's the proximity to these powers? Like, how do you like, how do you know? Like, okay, so this first scene on the bridge, um, the thing again that I say should be the opening of the movie. It's like, um, he hypnotizes the shadow hypnotizes all of the gangsters and and the their victim. Um, you know, but how? Like, how how does he know that? Like, you know, like we never get that like. Because one, there's no way to explain it. But like, mm-hmm. we don't even get the indication of like that he can do this from a distance. You know, there's limits to it. But like, what are the limits? Like, can he? Right. How far away does he have to be? Like, can he be close? Like, you know, in the 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 old, the radio show, like you kind of always got the impression that like he basically had to be in the room. Mm-hmm. Like, they never set like a real rule, but like he was never doing it like from a distance like perched up on like a building and stuff it was like he would get in i mean it was always like the door would open and it's like well i didn't see anyone and it's like boom okay well because if because well, if, he, he, if, if he could do it from a distance he could have ended all crime in one episode exactly <laughs> could he okay but um back to like the building thing like it was yeah. in the records as well though like right. wrote it in the records ah but but so can you but, change the records but see con, that's not the other question i was yeah, gonna ask that like con likes erasing paper trails though like that's established in the movie because when he's in the taxi cab yeah the the the, the guy's like calling back to dispatch yeah i'm coming up to the uh, you know the you- old lot so but could he physically erase printed newspapers? Because that because Margot yeah, that goes like, to that. Like, you would have to destroy those. So right. these, my again, in the movie makes you do this work. Like you, it's not going <laughs> to yeah. tell you. My assumption is the papers are still there, much like the building's still there. But mm-hmm. his you control can't. is making it so you do not see. Now that you makes no sense. It, yeah. it kind of, but my little theory there falls apart because really Margot should be immune to all of this. As right. Yeah, she should see all that shit. She should see it all. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they don't, but again, they, they're not consistent. Um, and uh, yeah, it, again, and it, it, this is one of those times where I feel like it sounds like I'm being super harsh about this movie that I like. Like, I do mm. enjoy this movie, but Same. like as like Lee, like when we were like messaging and I was like, you know, I had done a podcast actually about this movie just a handful of months ago. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, should I like, is it going to be weird to talk about the same movie like a second time? And I'm like, no, no, I like, there's so much, like, I, I felt like I walked away from that other podcast going like, I've got so many more questions now. Like, wh- yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I need this. <laughs> Talking a little bit about the the goofiness of this, mm-hmm. I do appreciate that at times, like they feel like they need to get the shadow sayings into this. Oh yeah, e- even though they have no context for like most people watching this, and you know, they're the clunkiest sayings we've. They're ever. so clunky, like you know, like even even the shadow knows is kind of campy, yeah. and it's like, eh, uh, and they like it's stuff that works in radio days, like yes. you know, you know the the the, the fucking. Uh, a thing for like the weed of crying weed bears, of crying from, like, oh. like, like, come on, there's, like, there's a there's a scene, like, probably my favorite scene in the whole thing where, um, they're on the uh, 
Uh, is it the Empire Stapling? Or am I? Uh, yes. Okay. Was, was it no. where? Yeah. Oh, where they make Drive the guy jump? Oh yeah, yeah the, the the guy from Mulholland Drive, by the yes. way, yeah. faints in front of the uh, homeless person. Hold on, <laughs> finish this. He jumps off the building, and you hear him screaming, and then you hear. I was about to call him the shroud, and that's a different, uh, a different thing. <laughs> <laughs> Shadow, um, uh, there and uh, Margot talking about what they're doing next as yeah. this happens in the background. I yeah, thought it's a that gag. was. I thought that was hilarious. That right. is the best. I honestly, yeah, it's the best scene in this movie. It's again for a movie that insists that you need to take it seriously. It's a weirdly dark comic moment. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I mean, I guess in one way, it's like shows that like the villain does not pull punches. Uh-oh. Yeah. But it's funny. Like, it's legit funny. It's not like you're not laughing. Like, oh my god, I can't believe. Like, oh, that's horrifying, and you kind of like nervous laugh. No, it's like it's a. It, it, it's a Looney Tunes gag. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, because he bounces. Dying, he bounces. Bounces. Yes. You hear him too. You hear the sound yeah. as like Margot and the Shadow are talking. Yeah. Although I, I, although I feel like it's a, it's a failing of Khan. And I guess that's kind of the reason he loses because as, as like astute as he, as he is and as fucking like well, well thought out with his plans and everything. Mm-hmm. He can't take criticism at all. He can't take no. anyone laughing at him or making fun of him or anything. Like he right. fucking flies off the handle so yeah. quick. Well, and you say that his plan is well thought out or whatever. Um, I I defy you to actually um, explain how his plan is um, supposed <laughs> to work. Um, the long and short, the short of it is we're pre-World War II, so we're pre-atom bomb. So mm-hmm. they, the whole movie, they basically are dancing around the fact that, like, what we're witnessing, Green McKellen and, and Tim Curry and, and others, is that they're building the bomb. Right. And Shiwan Khan wants to take control of it to blow up a city, part of a city, ransom it, and then replicate this plan do it in new york and then move to another city and then move to another so and he says like to finish like his ancestor like genghis khan would i'm like don't think that adds up like because you're either nuking like half of the country and then getting ransom but like wait what have you done like and i think i think the idea is he blows up half of new york and then says, I can do it again unless you give me money. And then, like, he, I don't think he ever intends to necessarily do it again. Well, because you know, because he, he says, and then I basically, he says, and then, like, it's like he's going to take it on the road. Like, I'm going to, uh, this is, this is my first place because I need the weapon. And then, like, I'm going to finish what Genghis Khan did and keep, like, conquering. Well, I mean, I mean, he can keep conquering, but he's conquering in the modern sense where he's going to threaten people into bowing down in front of him instead of storming the gates, I okay. think, is, is the idea. I, I'm good. I think you, once again, are doing more work than the movie did, but, like, I'm by, I, I, I'm on board. <laughs> you sold me. Okay. All right. Um, I, I want to say, uh, Ian McKellen... Um, I did not like him in this movie because they took away his accent, and I just thought he sounded ridiculous. He's a, he's like the absent-minded professor in this movie. Yeah, he, he's, he just, is, but he's they blind just and like he's which a is fine. Character. Like I don't mind that, but it just they took away his accent. And I just sounded like it just sounded 
silly. Like it just well, didn't, it didn't let's sound. Let's say this: there was no way that Penelope and like if it had to come down to one of two things, either Ian McKellen does it in an American accent, or Penelope Ann Miller does like an Ian McKellen accent. Uh, that's not happening. So my dad's English and my dad has an English accent and I have no accent. Okay. Yeah. But but, but the same time, Lee, this is movies and people, people will not accept that in movies. If, if, if if the father (laughs) speaks in a British accent and the daughter doesn't, it's right. Like, then, then it has to be another plot point that they'll either never explain or something like adopted or you it's, know. It's it's so common though. Like there's so many people who have parents. Oh no, that, I I, I yeah. to- totally agree. No, it's it's a real life thing, but it's a production note where it's like, hey, Ian McKellen's talk with a British accent. With why the movie, fuck is why the fuck is Chicky there not talking with the British accent? Huh? With a movie that had many plot holes. You think that they would nitpick on the accent? No, that no. would be. You know, here's the thing. That would be it. Like that would be. Like, yeah. We're catching all the other ones. That's the one that like people would be like, yeah. hey, Shadow, hey, Shadow, his powers, and Mrs. Hey, whatever. But fucking me and McKellen, if he starts talking with a British accent, we got to replace him. Huh? And, well, come on. Yeah, and I would say chances are at the, maybe they were being very trying to be very historically accurate because pre World War II, any weapons development which would not have been done this way probably wouldn't have been done by it someone that oh, yeah. like the government would have been like well you might not be an american so yeah yeah it'd be like hey hey there ex-nazi what's right. going on yeah no that was after world war ii then then we were good with it it was beforehand yeah. we kept oh yeah that's right that's another issue it. too i had a hard time uh figuring out what era this was supposed to be in it's because the 30s 30s yeah because there was some issues with uh margo's clothing that were very not 30 30s oh really yeah it was way too revealing of dresses especially back then yeah um mm. you I, wouldn't have that much cleavage like you might have back back wasn't bad but cleavage no not yeah. like that like even right. uh the the stuff like i um when you watch uh some like it hot Mm-hmm. Uh, Marilyn Monroe has that dress on, and um, that's very provocative for the time. And that was uh, made to be, I think, in the the forties. I believe it's the forties. Yeah, forties. Yeah, forties. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was a, a provocative dress, but still covered up more. Like it's still yeah. like high neck and stuff, but the back was open. Hers yeah. was straight up, like yeah. everything was showing. That was a little bit uh, too much, and yeah. it kind of took you out of that um, era. Like the idea that it was in a certain area. Yeah. And I guess this would be a good point since we're talking about Margot Lane. Um, she is, again, lifted straight from the radio show. It is it, in the radio show. She's the only one that knows Lamont Cranston is the shadow. Now, the how she knows and why she knows is invented for this movie. The, the idea mm-hmm. that, like, she is telepathic psychic wait well yeah she's 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 got some sort of like psychic ability where basically his mind tricks don't work on her yeah she's always hearing people's thoughts that they're not saying out loud so whatever yeah she's like um that's completely for this movie that's just a i think the only way that they really thought of to be able to like tie her in because again the idea like in in the radio show it's usually pretty hilarious because it's like like she's always like step-by-step investigating like whatever it is with Lamont and then Lamont will turn to her at some point and go, and now it's time for the shadow to do his work and go like face the bad guys. And it's like, you just imagine Margo's just like sitting in the car. Like, okay. I mean, she, she kind of does that in this movie too, right? Yeah. Yeah, But like, 
there's no reason. So I think this movie tried to give her a little bit more. Yeah, but they really didn't. No. <laughs> it reminded me, um, it kind of felt like a Catwoman-Batman relationship of mm-hmm. just how they interacted, which I thought, again, was funny because the whole time I had the vibe of Batman. So I think that's like, hey, how can we throw her in? Like, well, yeah, they yeah. they to give it like, uh, like she might have the edge on him and he's not used to that like the way yeah in batman returns uh, yeah because because he's very much in this movie like whoa whoa, whoa what talking to a girl <laughs> yeah and that's the other thing is like you know another mo- thing that like you feel like this movie totally relies it doesn't i mean it would be great if you knew stuff about the shadow but like it didn't matter as long as you knew the 89 batman because like what's lamont do like we know Bruce Wayne's rich, he's got like family wealth and he's got the Wayne oh, Foundation. Oh, you know, oh. we know all that stuff. Lamont, we have z- nothing. Not Oh, a, no. oh, I mean he I mean yeah, it's not spelled out what he does. He's a socialite, right? But right, yeah, I he's mean, a man we, about town. But we what. know yeah, but we know what his wealth is from, right? Right, exactly. But like cuz it's it's the it's the empire he built on heroin dis- distribution, yep. violence, and murder. Yep. It's like, okay, he's a reformed criminal, but he kept all the money. Yeah, Basically. that's... I mean, that's... that's Where He has but, an uncle in the city? That's his. That's the police commissioner. Yeah, so police commissioner not getting that not, wealthy. Yeah. I just Unless, mean, like, that's, yeah. I, this is something that bugged me, because you saw his past, and then mm. he came up and he had an uncle in the city. I don't know why. It's just one of those things it, where I couldn't... My that's brain another it's a weird thing too because again i i don't understand because it's such a bit part like i don't understand why they felt the need to do it because it, it okay so in the radio show his commissioner gordon is commissioner weston and it's mm-hmm. you know just it, it's commissioner gordon right they're not related it's just the same kind of batman commissioner gordon relationship yeah. In this, it's like, okay, you only know he's the commissioner because of the dialogue. You don't ever see him being the commissioner. Mm-hmm. And they are needlessly related. Like, it, it, it felt like... Forced? Yeah. It, or, <laughs> it, it, or it felt like weird, like, I, I almost like want to say it's like a first draft mistake. Like, when you're writing yeah. and you're like, you're just doing, you're just kind of going with it and you're like, I'll go back and fix that. And it was, they did. Or in uh <laughs> post-production they cut out a scene that kind of linked to why they said those family right so mm-hmm. it could be something like that it just it felt like something was missing um, that, by the that, way yeah sorry by the way margo's uh ability like her telepathic abilities really shit the bed when um a shadow was drowning in the tank and she didn't know what he oh, needed yeah. help for <laughs> he, <laughs> he had to go like hurt like, the fucking crack <laughs> she's like Oh, what do you want me to do? <laughs> Don't worry. She's really good about knowing that she wants, was it Peking Duck or whatever? Yeah. Like that, she's, she's tuned she in She picks for. up on that. Um, no, but what I was going to say is, like, you feel like the idea that, like, the shadow is related to the commissioner is they're planting that for tension, right? Like, yeah. the shadow oh, oh, is an oh, outlaw. Wait, wait, or, wait. Here, here, here's a theory. Did he... Is the shadow just a weird dick who looks likes fucking with people to the point where he play, he plays such a deep hypnotic suggestion that would be a commissioner that he's convinced him that he's his nephew. As if much this, as you say that, 
there's nothing in the movie that really established that. So but there's cool nothing theory. that contradicts it either, right? <laughs> exactly. So, no, there isn't. But it's a cool theory. It's definitely a cool theory. It's just I think it was a mistake in the writing. <laughs> I, I, I do like the idea, though, of like viewing this movie that like Lamont Cranston is like that guy who like pretended to be a Rockefeller you know for years mm-hmm. and got away with it like but he's just using these powers so it's like i mean uh, it makes more sense in the context of the film that he's using his powers to convince everybody he's this rich we, dude he has no we see no semblance of a life outside of investigating being at the club and being the shadow like yeah you don't, like like, you like see if, his apartment right or whatever but like yeah like like if anything he could talk all these people into doing shit for him like like he's a thing i appreciate about him is that he's not bruce wayne in the sense that he's not an expert at everything right. like he he's a guy who employs a bunch of people that he's helped yes into he does have a doing stuff yeah doing stuff for him like also he just has the power where he can convince people so he could convince people like in in a in almost like a uh, uh, Thomas Ripley kind of way, where it's like he he bull- bullshits his way into rich right. people's lives, although through mental powers instead of murdering people and lying. Um, maybe a little bit of both. A little bit of both, maybe. Uh, but but fucking like he could have just set up this whole false identity through hypnosis to everybody, mm-hmm. and like he's not really a rich dude, but he's set up this whole spy network. He's got like the fucking tubes with the messages flying through right. to like the central version of the bat computer you know yeah. the early and he's got his like secret sanctum and all that shit he could have just hypnotized all these people into making it for him yeah i think um uh, one thing that bothered me about this movie that seemed that there was a lot of like ideas but none of them yes. were fully executed yeah so you get like bits and pieces like you get bits uh pieces of like the sidekicks and why they're there because you have the mm-hmm. first one who they rescue mm-hmm. and the driver but it's not really anything else like nothing really goes with that yeah. um you have like his uh bat cave type style thing which mm-hmm. is lightly touched on like he has yes. a communication for a little bit so that's lightly touched on um and then like we mentioned at the beginning there was a bit of the story so i find there's like bits and pieces here and there where there was a story wanting to come out or like mm. could have been more to come out mm-hmm. to kind of like emphasize like who the shadow was, right. but it was all shortened. And yes. um, yeah. Well, and you know, it's funny because again, like I, I feel like it, it could be one of two things, right? Like in some ways, I, this feels like a first draft where it's like, you're, you're kind of putting the, place all of these pieces but you haven't quite fleshed them out but like you're just really just trying to hit the beats and then like you know go back and work them or this is like if it's not the script then this is like a movie that got cut to pieces and had a lot of other stuff but i've never seen any indication of that like i've never you know i've never well, seen like any reports that like there there is a trivia piece on this that mm-hmm. that i will that does speak to that a little okay. bit um right. and then it comes with the finale and, and by the way the finale kind of whiffs right because like oh, yeah, it, yeah. it feels very truncated yeah um, it feels like and, okay how are we gonna end this let's end it yeah and and the reason is the finale in which cranston chases shuai khan uh through the hall of mirrors was intended to be longer with khan taunting cranston by displaying images from his violent past in the mirrors 
But an earthquake that happened in January 17th, 1994 at 6.7 magnitude destroyed the set. Oh, and the fil- yeah, and the filmmakers out of time and money were not able to complete the scene as originally envisioned. So at least in that spot, like that 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 whole ending had to be like shortened because he just couldn't redo the footage. So maybe maybe a lot of the blanks from the opening thing would have been it couldn't you know, go be- back. Because yeah. it is very strange to me that like and 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 something that this movie um again one of my other kind of things that I've always kind of wrestled with is we do learn only again through dialogue not the movie doesn't show us but that like cranston and shiwan khan were trained by the same master right. but we don't see shiwan khan in that opening scene yeah so it seems like it's very weirdly like robbed this movie of some extra like gravitas with like the idea that they were like trained side by side and right and, they and, should have been contemporaries and that one was you know darker and you know or whatever and and so like the fact that like shiwan khan just shows up and happens to be in the place where the one other dude is and it goes hey yeah i studied at the same guy i got that i got his knife because i killed him it's like all mm-hmm. of that is said like it, you it, it carries no weight because of it it's like right i mean uh, Khan basically he tells Cranston, "I know who you are, right? Like I'm, I'm really, I'm really into the shit you did as a warlord. You're pretty fucking cool, right? But yeah, like there's no, like he's a fanboy, yeah. Like, the, like and the, and that kind of and that, that could have been de- cool if they played that up a little bit more, yeah. Well. And, but that's that's the uh, Sylvester Stallone Antonio Banderas assassin movie, right? Like." Honestly, I like your version better where they're contemporaries and it's like they have a past where, you know, they both went opposite directions. It's a very, you know, very basic classic story, but it, it's one that right. everyone can identify with and it works. It yeah. was um, it was also just lacking why the shadow did become good. Like, I know. Yeah. Had, why? Because you, you don't, don't see, see why. Yeah. yeah. It's just all of a sudden like, hey, you're going to become good. OK. Yeah. Um, as soon as you can master like like controlling this knife like you've which he doesn't do darkness we don't see him do it right i have a theory of uh the reason why there seems to be so much like of everything but nothing Mm -hmm. um it's kind of like uh when people write a paper and they have a point they make but uh they don't explain how they get to that point Mm-hmm. They know in their minds yes. how it makes sense, but other people around don't. And that's kind of feel like what this writer did. I feel like he knew what he was talking about. He wrote all these scenes. He did all this, but he didn't consider people who didn't know. So he understood why everything made sense, mm-hmm. but the outsiders need like the references yeah. as to how this makes sense. And that's kind of what I see. I see somebody who had he, an excitement he, to write something. And because he was like, probably very passionate about it he knew he knew everything made sense in his mind yeah but unfortunately um there's a lot missing for anybody who doesn't or isn't right that that makes sense he wrote the screenplay like novelists will sometimes write books where they have a world that they're trying to establish and they have the backstory in their mind but they don't necessarily put on the pages yeah well and you know i can think about it like I, i i say this a lot like um I, you know, uh, my whole life, I've been a huge uh, DC Comics fan, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, particularly like uh, 
in the nineties, like it was like a Superman fan. Like I was a huge, huge fan of all of those. And early on, like when I was starting writing comics as like a job, you know, I kind of not, I, of course I would love to write some of those characters, but like, there's also this part of me that goes like, I'd probably be the worst because I'm such a fan of them that like, either I worry that I'd be too precious. Like I wouldn't want to do like, I'd be too protective of like characters that I had an attachment to right? that I wouldn't do anything interesting. Or I would be like finding my little, like, Oh, remember this story? What happened after it? And then like write that story. But then the problem is like, I'm, I'm almost like writing between other stories. And that's mm-hmm. kind of almost like also what this feels like. It's like, he is David Kep as a writer is like, Oh, I remember that story. Cause like in the, the pulp novel, she Khan is like the closest that um, the shadow has to a Lex Luthor. He's the yeah, only he's, reoccurring he's, villain. He's like um, in four books or something. Right? Yeah. It's not, it's yeah. not even many, but like, he's the closest. Normally the shadow, especially in the pulp novels was just pretty brutal and just killing people. Yeah. yeah. He's like doc Savage. He just kills his enemies. Yeah. So there was no reoccurring villain. So this, you know, so again, there's a thing where it's like a fan would know, wait, this one guy did come back a couple of times. So we'll use mm-hmm. him. Okay. You know, and then like, but yeah, you feel like almost everything in this movie is in response to something that came before. Problem is uh, 99% of the audience doesn't recognize that. And um, yeah. it just, uh, it just makes me think of like, um, anytime I write a paper, and the prof is like, prove your point. You got to prove your point. That's all I can think of like yeah. now because it's cool. You understand, but make yeah. other people understand. Right? Well, and, you know what? In, in, in um, with uh, writing, like there's uh, something or like uh, script writing of you know, especially movies. Like they'll mm-hmm. you know, the, it's the there's a term for it, but I can't remember. But it's basically like the one sided phone call rule, which is like if you can't uh, it convey to the audience everything they need to know from only hearing one side of that conversation don't have that conversation because yeah it's that makes sense yeah you know like you're either gonna have to play like hear volleying voices back and forth or that one side of the conversation needs to be so well written that you understand and like that kind of feels like where we're at like this you know we just didn't connect the pieces you know the connect the dots um because you know We've got we we move we gloss over a bunch of stuff. We kind of meander in the middle where it's like there's this escalating tension. There's something going on. There's things being built, things being stolen, but it all kind of doesn't seem to go anywhere. And then it ends. And like it, mm-hmm. you know. And and again, I feel like this sounds like I'm being so mean to a movie I like. But yeah, same. I'm I'm feeling the same way because like I really enjoyed this, but it's like I'm I'm watching it like oh there's there's problems and I I see why it didn't go on to be like a franchise, mm-hmm. and and uh, I feel I feel like it's unfortunate because I feel like this is something you could really do well at like like a Netflix or oh, that's know, how this should be. Yes. Yeah. Where you could make this a series. Like, yeah. You can make this a series where you could establish it. You know, you got the time to establish his origins and then you could go hardcore into the shadow and you can set up Shawan Khan again and all that stuff. Like you could do all that. Well, and I also kind of wonder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and one of the things I always kind of wonder actually now is maybe, 
times have changed enough in superhero and comic book and pulp kind of movies are so prevalent that, you know, maybe there's a lot more forgiveness now in an audience, like kind of just going for a ride with like having to have everything explained to them. Mm-hmm. But like these movies, like the Burton Batman movies and like the Phantom and the shadow, like, are kind of unique in the sense that like they are very much a comic book world, but we also as an audience have to buy into the fact that like, but what we're watching is the only like aberration of it from being a real world. Like now shared universe is everything, but like, you know, whole point of like this movie, the shadow is this is a normal world. And this character is the one that breaks those rules and this villain breaks those rules. Like, right. right. It's, um, and, and I feel like that we don't have to do that anymore. Right. Like movies now just rely on the fact that like, you know, it's a, you know, like, Oh, cool. This guy's got this kind of powers, but over here, this guy's got this kind of powers. And it's, it's every, like everything now, even when you take like pulp characters and stuff, they have to go, they have to follow League of Extraordinary Gentlemen rules. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking the comics where it's like everything has to be connected. Like, yep. like there, there's even a point I do know at least one shadow novel where he meets up with Doc Samson at some point. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. 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 Uh, it, 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 it's funny because, again, it's, it, you know, in some ways it's it's cool that like, you know, you can always like find little connections, like the idea that like it was kind of after the fact, but like that Lone Ranger and Green Hornet are related, mm-hmm. you know, different eras. But like the whole idea is that it's a one family. And uh, but that's not however that's not ever how they present these movies. So like, you know, I think a lot of like kind of the unique, like some of the questions we have, like how is this network work or like, why, why are Shiwan's Khan's powers so like big in comparison to like, what's the limits? Like if we knew that like two cities over Superman was flying around, I feel like Mm -hmm. so many of these questions would get like muted because it'd be like, well, okay, but it's a fan. It's a fantasy world. It's, 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 but these movies are, we're still in that era where it was like, we, need to ground them and then show the world get more interesting or get more unrealistic. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I yeah. don't know. This, this, this movie feels like a jumping off point that never happened kind of mm-hmm. thing, you know, cause like they could have expanded, but they never got a chance. Yeah. Um, do we have any sort of final thoughts from anybody before we get to the end? Of the I movie? have uh, one thing that I think okay. is really and it's just on the IMVD. Um, Ethan Phillips, his picture that he has on here literally looks like a selfie on a bus. <laughs> that's all I want to say. <laughs> okay. That's, that's all I want to say. <laughs> oh, well, okay. While we're talking about cast, I do have this is it's not really related to this movie, but I always this to me is I've never forgotten this little piece of like trivia. And it's about Penelope, kind of about Penelope Ann Miller. Um who, you know, was kind of everywhere for a couple of years mm-hmm. and then kind of vanished or yeah you know, or whatever so uh this would have been around the time of so natalie portman had just started acting so this is pre-star wars but like post the professional so like okay she's still young and but like but like critically acclaimed and like she clearly was like a rising star and there was an interview 
uh, in a magazine with like, like, you know, what's your, like, how, how did you get motivated to do this? And she said, um, I, I forgot what movie she was referring to. I feel like it was the relic, which mm-hmm. Miller was in, yep. but that might not be the one she was talking about. Cause, but anyways, she said she saw, Penelope Ann Miller in a movie and goes, well, she can do it. I can do it, which is like the craziest thing like that I've ever seen a public. It was clearly, you know, clearly Natalie Portman's a teenager when she's given this interview. Yeah. It's just so snarky. And like, it, it just happened to coincide with like in real life, the time when Penelope Ann Miller stopped being in things and then Natalie Portman was everywhere. And I was like, damn, she dragged her hard. Like, she did. She, she killed like her. Raced her. Like, yeah. uh, it was Penelope like, Ann Miller. Yeah. Uh. Fuck you, bitch. I'm taking yeah. your job. I, seriously. Cause it's like, so I've, I've always like, so now and ever Penelope Ann Miller, which I have no feelings one way or another. Like she was fine. Like, she's kind of, she's kind of there. Like I've never seen her anything where I go, Oh yeah. I need to see other stuff. She's in. Yeah. She's always just good, but I don't think she's ever, yeah, I don't think she's ever like bothered me by like her, no. you know what I mean? So, but yeah, just knowing that Natalie Portman was sitting. Wow. That, that's so weird. They'll, and, and it's a very specific dig. It's like she really, I, surely dragged her. She, like she named her. It wasn't like yeah. I watched a movie and I saw the actress and like thought I could do it better. It was like named like Penelope Ann Miller, and I'm like, I know well, who that is. Like yeah, so it's like did Penelope Ann Miller fuck your dad or something? I seriously like th- you yeah. feel like there is something else there. Like yeah. <laughs> you wonder if that's ever been followed up on. Like if she yeah. ever apologized. Wow, like, you know, but that's. Wow. That uh, always cracks me up. <laughs> Penelope Ann Miller is somewhere right now in a dark room, smoking a cigarette and drinking scotch, and going, "Natalie Portman, I'm gonna fucking kill." I was you, gonna bitch. say, if we ever find out that, like, you know, like under very mysterious circumstance, like something happened to Natalie Portman, it'd be, I'm gonna say, like, where was Penelope Ann Miller? Yeah, like, and she's Penelope- been waiting. She's been waiting. Star Wars ten. Penelope Ann Miller stars <laughs> like. Yeah, and uh, oh, oh, it just cracks me up. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I like this. This film's not perfect, but uh, no, I, it's I, a lot of fun, and it's very it, it easy is to fun. watch. It's it is, like, and and I feel like it does a good job of streamlining the various versions of the shadow into one focused thing. And like, I think this actually, like, in my opinion, it ages better than the first Burton Batman. And it definitely ages better than the Schumacher Batmans. Yes. Like the second fucking Burton Batman is like, I think that one's untouchable, but uh, like, I think this is really good. Like, I, I think it's really underrated and overlooked by a lot of people. It's a lot of fun it, and it's nothing super serious. It's nothing, anything you got to like sit there and go like, Oh, I got to really like dig deep into it. Although we've been talking about it now for two hours, but um no, it it's good. Like it's it's, um, it's, it's enjoyable. It, it just kind of it, it peters out at the end. That's a thing people need to know if they've never seen it. Like it, it like there is a problem with the ending where it just kind of ends. Yeah, but I thought it was a good ride for the most part. Like I hope it because a lot of times movies like this, they somebody who ends up being a fan randomly will end up doing something mm-hmm. with it. And I'm hoping that's what this one does, because I think uh, the character itself is really interesting, and I think there could be something developed from it. So I do hope this, like, someone's like, hey, nostalgia is for some people. Let's Sam go with Raimi. this one. I, I, yeah. I mean, Sam Raimi... 
tried to get this and they didn't give it to him. But I mean, right. Dark he, was Man- the, he was the contender. Uh, he was beat out by Russell Mulcahy because they didn't they didn't trust him with uh, like a ten, like a, a big blockbuster, which. Uh, Man, I'm sure those people are pissed. Like yeah, because those, I mean, those executives were like, oh, "We could have had Sam Raimi." Because I mean, Dark Man really is. Well, that was that was what he that a lot of his ideas for the Shadow mm-hmm. ended up in Dark Man. Uh, yeah. Honestly, and it's so funny, like because if you think about the Shadow, um, the 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 profile, like with the oh, Dark uh, Man. Char- yeah, the heart, he looks just the, like the a, nose, and the fact a, that one of the main things that what is Dark Man? What is the the? Uh, I can't remember Liam Neeson's character. I can't remember not Durant because that's the bad guy. Yeah. Um, but like, what's he working on? It's like you know, it's always this nose like thing that like. Mm-hmm. So it's like it was clearly the shadow. It was a reference, and uh, but what I do think is funny is like those executives at Universal because I think this was a Universal movie the shadow um mm-hmm. some of the people uh you know again just a handful of years later you know the same writer is the guy who writes the first rainy spider-man david Kep. yeah so it's like the team that brought like basically really ushered like superhero movies into like their you know what we kind of now recognize them for um could have been together on the shadow yeah yeah, and I mean, Raimi could have like, and and he's since secured the rights. Um, oh, oh, I mean, it's been like eight years, nine years. Like he did to produce, he wasn't going to direct. But it's it's one of those Still. things where you're like, it the likelihood that it ever happens, I think, is so slim. Um, because of the fact that like if Raimi clearly has passion for the character and has had the rights and still nothing has happened with it tells you that like he's not finding like i i think you're more likely if if anything for the shadow like um i i think you'd be more likely to see something like the way like prey happened from predator right like something that's kind of a stealth version of this Mm -hmm. like i don't think you're gonna see like the big blockbuster attempt or like again i just want a series like that that would be cool like like if you could if you could take it to its roots like that's the whole you know that's Mm -hmm. where it came from you know especially since it's like so unknown to so many people that it wouldn't be like a a rehash that's that's the thing right like like streaming services now are so desperate for new content you know that is unknown yeah. Well, and you have, I, this does bring me to the other, la- the kind of the last little funny thing that I think about is you would almost have to keep this a period piece, though. Like, I know mm-hmm. the temptation is to update it, but like, um, cameras don't like the shadows. Like, if there's cameras everywhere, the shadows' powers suck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's actually a plot of one of the shadow it's one uh, of the shadow episodes yeah. um one of the the villain has basically like a security camera set up mm-hmm. an electronic eye they kept calling it and uh that was probably the most danger that the shadow had ever been in, in all the radio <laughs> and it was literally because a camera he couldn't fool it yeah um, they could they could do it period like that's actually like so popular now like period yeah, yeah. whatever so yeah fuck do do 1930s shadow 
do yeah. like three seasons, six episodes, eight episodes each season. Whatever. What, what, what the fuck? Do it like the Daredevil, like Netflix yeah, yeah. show, like kind of grounded as a crime thing with this this guy that seems to vanish, come in mm-hmm. and out, and like yeah, you could. It, it, it again. It, I mean, you feel like it's sitting right there, and there's no yeah. reason why they can't. Um, but you know, I don't know if like just the hangover from this movie was is that harsh i can't see i can't see it like i can't see it being like it's 20 years down the road like what yeah right well exactly yeah you know but actually 30 years down the road right fuck Uh, jesus yeah it's gonna be about 30 because i'll be too soon and (laughs) god damn fucking old fuck Uh, well uh, uh, yeah yeah (laughs) i'm gonna die so uh, so yeah budget 40 million box office 48 million so that's not good. No, it's not. Th- that's not even making money good because no. that's probably the advertising budget. And there was no, myth. yeah, yeah. And the, the the marketing campaign was pretty huge for this. Like, they had book tie-ins and yeah. all kinds of stuff. The right? only thing they didn't have was like Happy Meals. Like they never had oh. like a fast food tie-in, but like they had, they had action figures and stuff. It oh, was, yeah. oh they, really? they, 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 yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh, look them up. They're, they're, they're terrible and amazing. Like, um, <laughs> You can actually, um, one of them has actually got like, so you take Lamont Cranston, you put on like his fake nose and stuff to make him the shadow. Like that's like the toy. And I'm like, man, they were really, really thinking kids were going to go for this hawk nose. Like, like, <laughs> like, like the way you put on Batman's mask. It's like, put on the nose. It's like, I don't think that's what people are going to respond to. <laughs> like, but, I don't. But, but bunch of kids going around Halloween with a fucking scarf on the face and a fucking groucho nose or yeah. whatever. <laughs> like, no. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so funny that they were just so like set that like, this is going to work. Yeah. No, no, uh, you can find this basically everywhere. Blu-ray, DVD, iTunes, Google play, YouTube, Microsoft store, Amazon prime, voodoo movies, anywhere. Um, I do want to mention this is just an interesting statistic. So, you know, the question, how many people are related, descended of uh, Genghis Khan in reality? Oh, OK. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> when Shawan Khan introduces himself as to Krasny, he says he's the last living descendant of Genghis Khan. As of 2005, it is known. This was grossly incorrect. Based on DNA data of 2003, about 8% of men living in Mongolia are related to Genghis Khan, or left roughly 0.5% of the male population in the world as of 2000. That would translate to approximately 5 to 6 million descendants in 1930s, the time period of the film. So there was a lot of little Genghises running around at that time. Talk about another like dropped plot element that could be odd. Like I'm the last one now, like mm-hmm. to show how evil that he had been before showing up in New York that he mm-hmm. killed, like just he systematically like, Oh, he does like a, Although he's not going to multiple realities, but he does a Jet Li, the one where he yeah, kills exactly. all the... <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah. anyone else of the blood, you know, bloodline, you just kill him, and then, so you can claim the crown, like... Yeah. Uh, just one more thing I want to mention. I I just thought it was kind of cool that uh, um, Sh- Sean kind of uses p- uh, the uh, smoking uh, billboard to hypnotize people. Oh, yeah, people. The, the camel knockoff, the... Yeah, I... I I just thought it was kind of funny that, you know, Ian McKellen's going out to get a cigarette. He's already uh, hypnotized by being addicted to cigarettes. Then he gets doubly hypnotized yeah. by the billboard. The billboard, like, hits on him. Like, yeah. at first, it's like, it really was, like, a strangely, like, 
suggest i don't know it felt very like oh, okay there's uh <laughs> hot times in the city apparently like yeah ah <laughs> oh, fuck yeah all right this this was fucking great uh matt Thank you so much for coming thank back you. on. Yes, this, thank you. I hope it wasn't too scattered, but no, no, this, this was an excellent conversation. Um, tell people what you've uh, been doing and any other sort of podcast yeah. uh, appearances as of late. Uh, so um, I've got some big, like writing professional news coming very soon. Um, I can say without any detail, but um, that I am uh, co founding a publishing company um and mm-hmm. there's going to be big big news about that soon um the uh it's going to be great uh, and i i can only leave it at that at the moment but uh, <laughs> i get to i get to uh um i we're going to be real it's going to be a comic book publisher maybe some um maybe some print like uh novels as well but um it's uh it's going to be great. It's been my, like everything I've been working on for like the last two years. And it, it, I, I, we are so close to announcing and it's just like, I'm, I, I can, I feel like it's becoming like the, I'm a kid at Christmas. Like it's like Christmas is like five days away, but it feels like an eternity. Um, so I've only, you know, I'm only now being able to like, it's only now real enough and concrete enough that it's like, it's happening. I cannot give any details, but Yes, soon um, I will be a uh, co-publisher of a, oh. of a company that I never expected to, to do. So nice. um, that's a professional that's thing. Um, Podcast-wise, um, I've been waiting for uh, some confirmation on this, but we're going to say it's coming out soon. Um, the Mustachio Podcastio, uh, Daniel gathered up myself, Tim Yobo, Mike Wood, to talk about Cop and a Half. Jesus Christ. And we did three and a half hours. Uh, oh, my God. I don't know how much of it is really about cop and a half. I mean, there mm-hmm. was a lot. Um, uh, so Daniel has steadfastly not released that. Uh, <laughs> we recorded it a while ago and he's episodes. He's recorded after we recorded that one. He's released. So I'm like, are you really never going to release it? And he promises he will. So hopefully by the time, you know, like at some point um, you will hear four grown men hesitantly come to terms with, we like the movie cop and a half. And we find (laughs) that in that discussion. Um, And, and you'll see, we kind of fall one by one. It's like, Mike, Mike is positive pretty much from the start. And I'm skeptical and Daniel skeptical and Tim's the whole, and like, like a slasher movie, we get picked off one by one. And by the <laughs> like, yeah, this is actually a pretty good movie. So, uh, so sometime soon, the Sashio podcast, oh my God. cop and a half, four grown men, uh, come to terms with their feelings about it. Listen, listen, Daniel, I know, once in a while you listen to this podcast motherfucker <laughs> get that fucking episode out you motherfucking bitch stop, stop being a bitch about it. just do it's it. a journey it's an emotional yeah. journey and you can tell <laughs> i want to i want to hear this shit i, I feel like i feel like this is something i need to hear so yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. all right uh lady lee so next week our next movie that i got to pick yeah, that's By the way. What, what is coming up next? I'm glad you reminded me. I was about to just holy whiff on that shit. I, I feel like you already figured it out. Uh, I did pick Tim Curry because yeah. I'm kind of in love with him. Um, I'm going to do this because I think it's the first time. Actually, it is the first time that we just pick on a movie. 
I'm going to do Muppet Treasure Island. Okay. I was going nice. the fence. There was others I was going to do to try and like keep with like what we normally do, but I said, "Fuck it, let's." I'm going to take this opportunity. I'm going to throw in a Muppets movie. Okay, so, I like it. I like yeah. it. And uh, I think uh, I think Gary might want to join us on that one because I know he enjoys the Muppet movies. We'll, we'll bring him in. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll rope him in, motherfucker. Yeah. Um, but where 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 can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, at Mighty Tiny All Star on Instagram. Yeah. And oh, by, oh, by the way, Matt, uh, yeah. your Twitter. People should oh, follow yeah. you on Twitter because you're you're funny on Twitter. Thank so. you. Yeah, it's at Matt Begins, M-A-T-T, and the word begins because Matt Anderson is way too common of a name to come up with something extra cool. You just let auto let, let you just find a suggestion and <laughs> just go with it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's that's me. Um, I getting in, increasingly nonsensical as uh, the death throes of Twitter kind of ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've just decided to uh, just be a little more unhinged than normal there. So <laughs> it's, it's a pretty good time. He's basically just trolling unhinged fucking conservative people, which is pretty funny. That's my favorite thing to do. Actually. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, if I'm going to, if I'm, if it's going to all go, I, I, I want to go out having taken some real cheap shots at some people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you can find us at tmbdos.podbean.com. Uh, you can uh, go to our Facebook group. They must be destroyed on site on Facebook, and that's the best place to get in touch with us. But until then, uh, we'll be back when we're back. Uh, again, Matt, absolute pleasure yep. to have you back on. Thank we'll you. We'll have you so back much. again. Yep. Yes. Yeah. And uh, thank you, Lady Lee. And, thank you. And thank you all for listening. And we'll be back when we're back. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.
You've been listening to TMB DOS. They must be destroyed on site. For further episodes of this podcast, please go to tmbdos.podbean.com. We're also on Apple Podcasts and pretty much any podcatcher that you can find. Thank you. Drive through.